Welcome to Wizard Team, a Harry Potter cast for true Potterheads. Each week we discuss a chapter from the series with all of our knowledge of the world of Harry Potter. Be warned that this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Bayana. We're really excited to go through these chapters and discuss all of our thoughts and feelings about the book. Today we are discussing chapter 27 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the Centaur and the Sneak. Um, and joining us today is Olivia Dauphin. Hi everybody. Who, um is the founder of the wizards in space um magazine and are, when do how many um editions or volumes do you have out yeah so we are a literary magazine and we have two editions out and in february we will be opening up submissions for our third issue as well as crowdfunding for um a year's um subscription which would be issues three and four. So we're going to try to crowdfund for two issues at once, um, which is really exciting to kind of um, figure that all out up front. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you, when, for our listeners, when you see that, you should, you should um, donate and you should also read the other, the first two volumes. Yeah. Well. And if you are writers, you should submit. Um, We take a wide variety of genres and stories, and we really focus on telling authentic um, stories from authentic voices. And then the other thing that we do is we pay um, contributors. So it's really important to me that um, writers and editors that work um, get paid for their work because everybody's work has value. And you should know that it's okay to ask for money and it's okay to take money for your art. Uh, So definitely support us if you can. and and read the issues um, if you can. That would be great. Y'all are amazing. It's the anti quibbler. Or the anti quibbler. <laughs> they pay artists and they pay their writers and it's authentic oh, voices. Right. Um, not that I don't love the quibbler, obviously. <laughs> but. but. That's hilarious. It just went. Yeah. Um, but we we invited Olivia on this episode in particular because she has lots of feelings about Marietta Edgecombe. Um, and Robin and I are going to, you know, we've, we've done some of our work. We're going to try to interrogate our feelings about Marietta in this episode. We'll see how, how it goes. Yeah. I have a lot We're going to confront feelings. some harsh truths. A lot of feelings. Uh, <laughs> right okay so first we have some announcements and reminders we want this podcast to be interactive and want to know your thoughts so please feel free to tweet along with us use the hashtag wizard team on twitter to follow along um love our blog love wizard team have a few extra galleons lying around um you can donate to black girls create you can become a patronus or send us a cheering charm at blackgirlscreate.org donate and we have Wizard Team merch. Head over to our website and step up your nerd fashion and stationery game. Um, and if you want to support us but don't have the funds to do so, or even if you do, um, rate and review us on iTunes. Finally, subscribe to Black Witches Weekly, our newsletter curated by Wizard Bay Deborah with nerd news and links to what's been going on. If you want to be in the know, be sure to subscribe. You can go to blackgirlscreate.org. Um, and now... For Wizard Team News. We went through that really quickly. That was pretty great. I know, right? <laughs> do 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 Sorry. <laughs> Black Hogwarts is trending last week, guys, and it was a thing. 
we jumped from like 1700 Twitter followers to like 5000 Twitter followers. And everything was great. The memes were hilarious. Beyonce was out there being magical. Beyonce. That's a lot of Beyonce memes. I mean, I um, want to like clarify. It in was case wonderful. Is, this is like the first episode that you're listening to. We didn't start this hashtag. We're still not sure where it originated from. Um, literally, I woke up and saw a tweet from Connie who, as some of our older folks know, is our head of the Department of Mogul Wizard Relations, um, which is a made-up title, and but it's and she a, was working because overtime. it's a thing that she does, so we gave her a title. Um, and she, like, posted a thing about us in that hashtag, and then it popped off. So um, welcome, if there are any people who are new, who are um, starting from this episode, or, you know, who started from the beginning and then finally got to this episode when you get to it. Um, welcome to the team, and thank you for following us, and thank you for listening. Um, and shout yeah, out to Black Potterheads so everywhere. Yes. That was, like, one, like even if we, I feel like, um, even if we oh. hadn't gotten as many followers as we did, I just was really excited about, like, the number of people who were in that tag. You know what I mean? Like, just. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I woke up, and my brother was like, did you do this? And I was like, no, no. But the fact that, like. I woke up and my brother, who, um, for those who have listened to the podcast, have met him audio audibly, um, is a muggle. He's one of the bigger muggles in the world. The fact that, like, I woke up to him being like, hey, Black Hogwarts is trending. I mean, my sister did a similar thing. She thought for a second that it was us, but only because we also do Hogwarts BSU, which, um, and I was like, oh, no, it's it's a different thing. But, yeah. Um. Shout out to muggle siblings out here. But it was great. And it was so fun to like find people who like there was just a large spectrum for people who were super excited because they are black Potterheads and like felt, you know, like, oh my God, this is something that I can really get into. And then there are just other people who, you know, were obviously like casual fans or something, but just were <laughs> hilarious. It was just great to be a part of. And it, I got absolutely nothing done that day that I thought I'd get done. I'm surprised that I still have a job because I <laughs> didn't do it <laughs> on that day. It was like a thing is happening, guys, and I, I'm, I'm busy now. <laughs> but it was good. Um, okay. Voldemort Origins of the Air is a fan film that dropped this week about the rise of Voldemort. I have not seen it yet, but um, I'm interested to know your thoughts about it. It looks like it was very well made. Um, So yeah, check it out. It's probably on YouTube. (laughs) I should have more information. (laughs) I think it's on YouTube. It's called Voldemort Origins of the Air. uh, Yeah, I need to watch it too. Um, but yeah, and just yeah, like, we can tweet it. Yeah, out. basically, just watch it if you want to. Let us know what you think. Um, yeah, it's like kind of about yeah. him. Well, if I remember correctly, it's like I saw there was actually a trailer for this that came out like a while ago. Um, but it's about like this person who's like tracking Voldemort after he kills um Hepzibah Smith. 
so like that sounds he's like mm. yeah so he's like still pretty young at that point right like maybe just out of school or something like that um so yeah it'd be it seems interesting i think it's like an hour long or something so seems seems like it'll be cool um and then i just put um, this on here it's not uh harry potter news but it's wizard team news because i'm into it living single is on hulu <laughs> all of it congratulations i feel like this is connie's own personal triumph because she's been writing and talking about the lack of being able to find living single um and now you can watch the entire series on hulu and sort the characters and yeah i just finished mi5 so it's a perfect time um to start living single i'm excited that's That's what i've been doing for the past what? I said that living single, that's what I've been doing for the past, like, seven years. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like, the way, that you, the way that you did it, you're like, I'm going to stop watching in my five so and start I, living I, single. I'm I, like, so, dating in my five? Or? I was, I was in a <laughs> serious relationship with MI5, um, <laughs> and now I've decided to be, live single. Also, on an MI5 bit mini tangent, the dude that plays Tariq Masood is Ash Tyler on the new Star Trek. He got a beard. He got some muscles. I was like, look at you. Like, look at you. Wow. It's always like really fun to watch an older show with like people that are like now bigger. Because like David Oyelowo is also on MI5. It's in like the earlier seasons. And so to see like him all young and scrawny and not you not know oscar nominated oscar nominated just yeah and yeah. a yeah. reminder that britain only has a reminder actors. that britain only has <laughs> um okay we should we yeah. should keep moving on um we have a new patronus and we got some some cheering charms um so shout out to kaylin for becoming a patronus um, and shout out to Graciela and Charlotte for the cheering charms. We appreciate um, you. We appreciate you. We the best. You the best. Another one. Another one. Uh, uh, shoot, I haven't done this in so long. You loyal. All the DJ Calidisms. You smart. Matter of fact, you a genius. <laughs> Dumbledore is the they that yeah, we have warned you about. Thank you. Is what we're trying to say. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> That's what we're trying to say is thank, thank you. you. Um, and then Magical Birthdays. I wasn't going to do this um, because he doesn't actually listen to this podcast. But then I was like, Robin shouts out. Like, I shout out my other siblings. So I shouldn't leave out one. That's kind of rude. Um, so uh, shout out to Obasi. His birthday was last, this past Sunday. Um, and he's 22 now. So I guess he's like really kind of an adult. He's in Vegas. Um, I mean, is he? That's, yeah, I was like, what are you doing for your birthday? Thinking we could go to dinner or something. And he's like, I'm in Vegas. And I was like, well, look at you, adulting. Oh. All right. Okay, then. So. Shout out to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the full-on yeah. adult. Yeah. And if you, great, you know? lovely listener, um, want to have a birthday shout out, just let us know when your birthday is. And we can shout you out for we'll your magical birthday. Yep, it's real easy. We put it in our calendar, then it, then we make sure that it, you know, recurs every year. 
because that's what birthdays do. At one point, and then I was like, wait, because <laughs> then I realized that like I wasn't doing that. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. Porsche's birthday is coming up really soon and it's not in the calendar. Why is that? And it was because we didn't make it recur. But now they all recur and I will remember for yours when you tell me. Um, yeah, and then we'll shout you out on the podcast and in our newsletter. Yes. So if you care, you should do that. Okay. Let's get into this chapter. Um, previously <laughs> on Wizard Team. Uh, previously on Wizard Team, um, the Quibbler article about um, Harry about Harry at in the graveyard came out, um, and then Umbridge banned the Quibbler. And in addition, you know, by banning the Quibbler, she expelled. She didn't just ban the Quibbler. She said anyone found in possession of the Quibbler would be immediately expelled. And then Luna Lovegood packed up her trunk and was like, I guess I gotta go because I got all of them since the time the Quibbler began. Um, Also in banning the Quibbler, she made sure that naturally everyone in Hogwarts found and read the Quibbler. So people are believing... um, Harry's story a lot more now, especially after the Daily Prophet's um, account of what happened with the 10 Death Eaters who escaped Azkaban. Didn't quite add up. Right. Um, he's, Harry has detention with Umbridge again. He's back on that tip. Mm-hmm. And he was also banned from Hogsmeade. Yes. And I think he got like 50 points taken away or something. Yeah. Which the points like don't make sense. Like, he got fifty. He gets fifty points taken away for literally anything from having a illegal but wasn't illegal at the time interview to like being out of bed after midnight. Yeah, I think the teachers have never really aligned like their point system, uh, <laughs> no. which is obvious. And then like for like yeah. you know, Dumbledore is really shady about it about the point system too that's true there's no scale they're just like "Eh, i just feel like this warrants 20 because it's a monday and whatever yeah dumbledore's point system is whatever to make sure that gryffindor is going to win the house cup at the end of the year because he's a stan true true um um and then what else happened um harry is still not harry harry's still not doing well in occlumency um, he's just, he's, it's not going to work, honestly. But I feel like at this point, but, Snape should have went to, to Dumbledore and have been like, mm, sir, this is, this is a bad idea. Let's try something new. It's not working. Um, but we also, Snape is still in charge of teaching Harry Occlumency. So was it ever going to work? Was it ever? No, I don't. Yeah. I think there are a lot of factors to this being a disaster. I think they could have, um, prevented some of it like not having snape teach him and yeah yeah i think that's probably the only what was, i still um, think it would have got went well but what was umbridge's president's thing there were some bad actors on both sides both sides oh my god there are some good people on both sides yikes both sides umbridge's president said that not my president well Wow, let's not my, um, not my... No, and then finally no, and then Trelawney um was fired. Um and mm-hmm. 
Umbridge thought that she was running a school and Dumbledore came out in his reminded her in his mustard yellow robes and said, position. hold up. They don't headmaster like I headmaster. And Ferenz is the new divination teacher. Yes. Mm. And all, is the new all the young ladies fake he's <laughs> something else, which the older I get doesn't sit well with me. Is no, it because it's no. Let's get into that, or because actually. he's an so, adult? Yeah. Or is it both things? I think, um, well, no, because I had crushes on teachers that were, like, adults when I was young. Um, but they weren't centaurs. I think it's, like, but they weren't centaurs. But they weren't right. centaurs. Right. I, think that's, I think that's what it is. They weren't centaurs. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so Parvati is curling her eyelashes with around her wand. Um before their first lesson with Ferenz and um and asks Hermione or says to Hermione I'll bet you wish you hadn't given up divination now don't you and Hermione's like not really I've never liked horses (laughs) which is like really (laughs) like petty and like you know he's not a horse it's kind of disrespectful just a little bit but I get it and I appreciate it a little bit I was Um, watching the show so there's this British show um, new slash guys I like British television a lot there's this show called A League of Their Own and there's this like one point um, James Corden is the host and so now that he's in America they did an American whatever anyway not important the important part is (laughs) that they had this like um, little person on and she was obviously being used as like a joke and I was like I love this show and I'm like laughing throughout and then this part happened and I was like ew ew like and it's just funny because like that is so obviously like not and this is happening in the year of our lord like 2017 is when this show aired but like it's just so it must be like a a cultural thing right but it just is like one of those things where it's like cultural but like it's still not okay like it's not okay that like Mm -hmm. it's okay to like have a little person be the butt of a joke and like in the wizarding world and their own cultural things like it's 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 obviously a thing that exists right because umbridge has a whole thing about other creatures and mix mixing of species or whatever um, um so that so that that uh prejudice obviously exists but it's still like ew <laughs> why i why i always felt weird about this it, it's like i don't know like should friends have felt like weird that he was singled out for being like a, a half breed or of a different species because like isn't that like it just comes down to like Dumbledore kind of being like a shady human because like he's singling friends out and he's putting him um, at risk for like Umbridge to be a giant jerk to him and like discriminate against him and like is that was that really fair of of Dumbledore that like something about this just like never like sat right with me. But it's also on yeah, like both sides like he, too because he is then ostracized by. Centaurs, like, right. It puts him in a, and he's an adult, right? He's like a fully sovereign person, so he makes the choice to do that, and he doesn't hold the same like anti wizard resentment as the other centaurs do. But there is kind of a weird 
putting him in a position where he loses, loses, loses. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I mean, Francis is his own centaur, you know, so he can make his own decisions and he wouldn't have taken it if he didn't want to. But I also wonder like this, like how often do positions like open up at Hogwarts and shouldn't it have gone to like an actually like trained teacher who's like looking for that profession as a wizard? But I don't know. I guess <laughs> centaurs deserve Probably. centaurs deserve to be <laughs> teachers too, I guess. <laughs> but okay. then I'm also like curious about that, right? Because don't well like we don't know about centaurs that don't live in the Forbidden Forest. But like they're not integrated into the wizarding world in the way that like wizards are. Or even like goblins. Um and like so I so I'm curious now, and like we've we've had this conversation before, kind of uh, mostly about bins actually, about like payment and like how what does that look like? Because Jake, you give him a bunch of galleons. What is for ins- What kind of use does he have? Like for those kind for the same kind of like monetary system, and and then yeah, like what about people who um potentially want that like or need that position granted i'm still not convinced that um divination is a subject that needs to be taught which we can get into later when we like get to that part of the chapter but just like i don't know it's weird and it also does like i get i also get with what you both are saying which i didn't fully think about but just like dumbledore using him as a weapon or yeah. like a, a way to get back at umbridge as opposed to being like you know, you know as opposed to just letting him have his own agency in that way. But again, similar to like but again, Professor Grubbly Plank, we get, we do get in like an actual competent teacher, even and like he, unlike Trelawney, like comes out and says like, this is not something that really can be taught. Which is then it goes back to your point of like, well, then why are we teaching this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, there is a competency there that Trelawney didn't have. Um, that you get with friends, which we'll get into, but which we'll get into, but yeah, it just seems interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of it's 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 kind of weird and a little tricky. Um, uh, so Harry asks Lavender and Parvati how Trelawney's doing, and Lavender says, not very good, poor thing. She was crying and saying that she'd rather leave the castle forever than stay here if Umbridge is still here, and I don't blame her. Um, Umbridge was horrible to her, wasn't she? I've got a feeling Umbridge has only just started being horrible, said Hermione darkly, which I'm like, no, no way to, no optimism, nothing? Okay. I mean... That's helpful. She's 15, though. <laughs> she's just like, it's only the beginning. This is like peak <laughs> she's also not wrong. Years. Yeah, she's but, also not yeah. wrong. Hermione's <laughs> always like... had her pulse on the feeling of the castle, like, way more than Harry and, and Ron. Like, they definitely, like, are, are, like, tunnel vision to their own studies and, like, their own issues. And granted, like, Harry is, like, often trying to be murdered. So, I get that. But... Like Hermione says, like always, kind of had her pulse. On, I love that uh, idea. Like, like Harry and Ron. But it's so always, it's also so funny own, that like, they're always focused on their own thing. Just, Granted, Harry's <laughs> thing is trying not to be blinders. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little 
little bit more important than day to day in Hogwarts, but you know, still. This also has so much irony because, like, Hermione is like basically predicting the future, and she's the one that hates divination. Oh, this is why we have you on the podcast. <laughs> Jim. She comes in dropping jewels. Wow. It just blew my mind. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, you're right. Um, I've been <clears> at <throat> this a long time. <laughs> um, Olivia's a professional. Um, you mark my words. She's going to want revenge on Dumbledore for appointing a new teacher without consulting her, especially another part human. You saw the look on her face when she saw Ferenz. Um, I'm also really curious about, like, <clears throat> like classifications of magical um, creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, especially ones that are, like, very clearly autonomous versus ones that are more, like, ones that are closer to human versus ones that are, like, animals, but they just happen to have magical kind of abilities or whatever. Or properties. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm like, are they, like, are centaurs really part human? Or do they just have, they look like the, their top half looks human? You know what I mean? Oh my god, that's like, like the Doctor what Who is that classification? And is that like, of like, humans look Time Lord. Like, yeah. they're not very, they're not right, actually yeah. similar. They just look similar. And that's just like, there you can see that similar. in so many different species, right? Like, um, um, dolphins and sharks are completely different. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why that. Right. Came, but you know what I mean. Talking about but my the family. thing is though is like talking about dolphins. Yeah, when you <laughs> I'm talking about dolphins. Right. Exactly. I mean, and, and this is and I'm sorry to say this, but like when you call something part human, then doesn't that mean like then what is the other part? So the centaurs are part human, part horse, and what was going on with their ancestors that all of a sudden um, apparently that merging happened? So I was just curious. Um, because I, I imagine, like, Newt Scamander probably covered centaurs in Fantastic mm. Beasts, and it looks like they're classified as beasts from the Ministry of Magic um, at their own request, as they were unhappy to having to share being status with hags and vampires. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. So they're not, they're not considered a half-breed. But I guess maybe the Ministry would have put them there if they could. Right, or, like, I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess, like, half-breed is a, is a slur. Yeah. So maybe that's just what people are, like, or people, Umbridge, and people like Umbridge would call them, even though that doesn't really make sense for what they are, like, their actual... I did not expect to get like, so deep into centaur. I mean, Wikipedia land. There, a while ago, we got really deep into um, puff schemes and like the pygmy puffs. Oh, yeah. It got really gross really fast, but it, yeah, <laughs> it happened. So it looks like they were off in 1811. They were, this is why people think I'm a Ravenclaw, but I'm not. In 1811, centaurs <laughs> were offered being status. Um, a being was any creature that has sufficient intelligence to understand the laws of the magical community. Um, and to bear part of the responsibility in shaping those laws. Mm-hmm. However, they declined because the associations with other creatures, such as vampires or hags, that being status would give them. Um, and then the mer people made the same decision a year later. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love a good uprising. Right. That's so interesting. That's interesting. Like, like yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... 
Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just I'm like really interested in the like what, what these other, other communities, communities are like and like how they fit into the wizarding world because I feel like as far as we generally see them, it's mostly through um, <clears throat> like their regulation and control, and at least that's like through the ministry. That's kind of how they deal with them, and like I get part of it is just about um, the statute of secrecy. Mm-hmm. But even the statute of secrecy doesn't make sense to me when it comes to magical creatures. Yeah, I've um, always been very confused. And maybe we'll see more of that in Fantastic Beasts, like how um, magical creatures like choose or not don't choose to like not reveal themselves to humans. Right, and like how is that up to wizards or like humans to decide like what is best for them and like why you know what I mean like what makes that necessary mm-hmm. and then like a thing that Robin and I have talked about before is um like what makes one creature magical and another one not you know what I mean yeah. because like so because it it's I mean I guess this is kind of like verging into like magical realism and stuff but like if you just saw uh um what's that one there's like this one a creature that looks like a dog but has two tails and that's like the only and it might breathe fire or something like it might do something like really wild that makes it like very clearly not is it a crap it's like something and i can't think of the name right now but um but my thing is is like if that's just a creature right like i feel like we like scientists discover random animals all the time that are really strange and do weird ass shit um, and we don't say like, oh, we don't say like, oh no, magic, get away from us or whatever, right? We're just like, okay, yeah, that's just some species that does weird ass shit. So if you come across a creature that looks like a dog, it has two tails and it does some like weird stuff, that I wouldn't immediately think magic, right? Um, so I, yeah, so I think it's just like interesting to think like if you saw a centaur walking around, would you immediately think oh, there are witches and wizards about, and, like, would that violate the statute of secrecy? Or could y'all just, or could just muggles just get used to having centaurs walking around? But, I mean, I guess that would be a different story, but, yeah, I don't know. One time I was at a convention, and there was this author there, and she kept talking about cat centaurs. And she never, yeah, so then she never explained it. So I was with Marco Shiro, and we, um, kept debating like what part was cat and what part was horse <laughs> or like was it cat and horse and then which side was which and then was it or was it cat and human and like which side was which like was it the head of a per- like a, per- a human and then like the body of a cat or was it like the body of a cat like the head of a cat but then the body of a horse and like she just like never explained it and it was just like um I've never heard of now for the rest of my life I will have questions about cat centaurs <laughs> <laughs> right or is it like a cat head with a human with like a part of a human body and then because you know how people like will draw cat people so then is it like a cat person who is also a centaur i don't know i just it's one of like real meta yeah i confused myself to be i was just trying to figure out like from your original question of are they actually part human or do they just resemble a human? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I, in the, like, and to me, meaning goes into that because part human means 
that humans are out here mating with frisky with horses exactly or fish because olivia brought up mermaids too and that just seems right like not a thing that we want (laughs) to be happening or but in in the jk rowling verse Mm -hmm. of or the wizarding world which is what (laughs) (laughs) sorry um mermaids don't look like ariel little mermaid mermaid right no and i was shocked at that yeah (laughs) you were like what yeah and then it was worse Um, in the movie meanwhile i had this whole idea about like ariel meeting Eric and Eric was actually a wizard at Hogwarts and they met and like fell in love at the Great Lake and I thought that would be a really good fanfic but it didn't work um anyway (laughs) they don't look like half human half fish right so they do look like their own magical species and they have language and all that stuff Ferenz is described as definitely looking like a half human half horse Right. But I mean, I think there's... um, In my brain, only a centaur can mate with a centaur to make a centaur. Yeah, I agree with that. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I no longer wish to discuss (laughs) centaur (laughs) mating. Alicia's like, can we not? (laughs) Keep going. Move on. But I mean, I think I do, like, want to... Never going to get to Marietta this way. I am... But uh, one thing I do want to bring up real quick before I move on is I remember... And my book is like very far so I won't go grab it but when uh, Percy after the Quidditch World Cup when Winky was uh, fired and Percy went on talking about like the regulation and regulation and control of magical creatures um, there was like something about I don't think it was I think what Umbridge uses is near human intelligence but it was like people who were like or species that were like closer into human intelligence or something like that. I don't know, but it was like a it was it was a gross way of wording it. And I think like in this book, Umbridge says it to the centaurs, and they're like, mm, "We're smarter than you." I don't know what you're talking about, but just like I don't know the classifications of magical creatures and the ones that clearly have their own like communities and yeah, they're it's just it's interesting. Um, but yeah, we should we should move on. Um, so after breakfast, they go off to divination, and Ron asks, "Aren't we going up to the North Tower?" Um, Parvati looks scornfully over her shoulder at him, as she should, and says, "How do you expect Ferenz to climb that ladder? We're in classroom eleven now. It was on the notice board yesterday." Which I just feel like you know maybe check the notice board to figure out where your classes are. I didn't even know Hogwarts had a notice board, so I, I don't I'm on wrong side for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a notice board in every um, common room. Common room. Oh, that's how they okay. also about Hogsmeade think it's really like, funny like that Ron like in the whole um confrontation, Dum uh, Umbridge tells Dumbledore, Well, how do you expect her to live there when someone needs that classroom? And he's like, Oh, someone our teacher already prefers different classroom like that was in the conversation that was being held in front of the entire school Mm -hmm. so that's true yeah Mm -hmm. and i am i am like very sympathetic to ron because um i am very slow on the uptake like it is just something that is now just a facet of my personality i'm lost until i'm not and 
one thing that I have really taken to heart, especially after like junior high and high school and how many times I've been made fun of for being so lost for so long is faking it. Like, I'm not going to ask the question. I'm going to be like, I'm just going to follow Harry. Fake it till you I'm make confused. it. Right? Like, I'm just going to pretend like I know where I'm going while I'm actually following the crowd. I'm not going to ask that question. It's a good chance that question is dumb. So I just need Ron to at least get yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, it's a solid, his, his a solid plan, right? You just, yeah. Um, but so they get to classroom 11 um, and inside, it looks like they're in the middle of a forest clearing because magic is the best. Um, <clears throat> so they see Ferenz who greets Harry Potter by name because that's who Harry is and everyone else just gets to watch and be jealous <laughs> and be like, how do you know centaurs? But it's because they follow rules. That's really why. And they don't get... Yeah, <laughs> well, they don't get detention to, uh, in the place. Like, detention to the Forbidden Forest. True. So Harry noticed that there was a shadow of a hoof-shaped bruise on Friends' chest. Yeah, and, and Friends says that Dumbledore has kindly, kindly sorry, arranged this classroom for them. Um, in imitation of his natural habitat, he would have preferred to teach them in the Forbidden Forest, which was until Monday, his home, but that's not possible um, because he can no longer return to the forest because his herd banished him. And um, so this is like the first time that Lavender realizes that there are more centaurs around Hogwarts, which at first I was like, really, Lavender? But then again, I remembered that Lavender follows the rules. And so wouldn't right. have stepped foot in the Forbidden Forest unless it was in it was for class and wouldn't have gotten deep enough to meet centaurs. So, yeah. Who stay away from humans on purpose. Right, exactly. And then Dean sticks his entire foot in his mouth asking if Hagrid bred them like the Thestrals. <laughs> oh, um, but, but he understands, like, as soon as he says it, he realizes that it was a mistake. Uh, and so he apologizes, which is good, right? Like, he's not just like, that was a valid question. Yeah. It wasn't. And he realized it and he was like, my bad. That was an awful question. Let's move on. But Varun says that centaurs are not the servants or playthings of humans, which is kind of, which I guess is just kind of like what we were talking about before and just like this kind of, well, I mean, it's like wizard supremacy in the wizarding world. In a way that, like, the centaurs then have to fight and, like, make it clear often that they're not the servants or playthings of humans. Whereas, like, yeah. all of the all of the laws and all that kind of stuff would kind of... I'm sure, too, like, if they, like, chose, you know, to be um, beasts in, in that category, like the law probably leaves them alone a lot Mm. more. So they're probably just like left to do their own thing. Um, Whereas if they're beings, you know, it said that they're responsible for upholding the law. So I'm sure that that had a lot to do with it too. Like they probably just didn't want the ministry meddling in their business. And so they just took the beasts um, like category just to not deal with it. Yeah. Um, And then like we saw like the mer people like followed suit, you know? Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, It's just really, like, 
disappointing to think about having to cage your, and I'm going to say humanity, but <laughs> poor choice of words. <laughs> like, to have to, like, um, yeah, to, like, have to make concessions to your humanity or your your personhood, I guess, um, because of this dominating group. Oh, man, I just heard myself. Okay. Sad now. Um, <laughs> this, like, this, this this dominate domineering dominating group of people have so forcefully structured the conversation in a way that you have to say i guess i'm a beast leave me alone like yeah instead of like coming at it with more nuance and more yeah yeah. yeah, no, yeah. that's... Sorry. I heard myself mid-speaking mid and... <laughs> um, so, so we find out that Ferenz was banished because he agreed to work for Professor Dumbledore. Um, they Because Centaur see that as a betrayal of their kind. Um, I feel like we're gonna um, get to this a little bit later when, like... Uh, we go back into the Forbidden Forest with Hagrid in a couple chapters, or yeah, in a couple chapters. Um, but I think that's kind of just the other thing that was brought up to me, right? Because I think that Centaur, or that came up for me, because I think Centaurs see Ferenc going to work for Dumbledore as like him voluntarily, like going into servitude. When for humans, they just would see it as a job. But then also, like, is Dumbledore paying Ferenc? But does that actually mean any, and does that actually mean anything for centaurs to get paid? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that there is something to like want. Like, there's always kind of the weird, and you see these in a lot of like coming of age stories and things like that of like wanting. Like, this is the whole thing about Coco. <laughs> If you guys haven't seen the movie Coco, which is brilliant, you should go see it. But, like, knowing and wanting something different than what everyone else in your culture or family has been doing and having to reckon with alienating or feeling as though... Or having other people feel as though you're rejecting that when what you're really wanting to do is, like, explore something that's interesting, like... I've always read Ferenc as finding humans very interesting in the same way that Arthur finds muggles interesting. So it makes sense that he would want to go to work at Hogwarts because he gets a closer look at these like cute little interesting creatures mm -hmm. known as humans. Um, but the rest of the centaurs see that as, you know, denying or turning away from like their beliefs and, and complete and total separation. And so it's like him going to like satisfy this intellectual curiosity about wizards but not being able to like articulate that to his his family right tribe herd mm -hmm. herd herd yeah herd. Herd. um <clears throat> so he says let us begin um, and the leafy canopy overhead lowers slowly, the light in the room dimmed so that they seem to be sitting in the forest clearing by twilight. 
um, and stars emerged upon the ceiling. Lie back on the floor, he said, um, and observe the heavens. Here is written for those who can see the fortune of our races. Um, I know that you have learned the names of the planets in and their moons in astronomy, and that you have mapped the stars' progress through the heavens. Centaurs have unraveled the mysteries of these movements over centuries. Our findings teach us that the future may be glimpsed in the sky above us. Um, Professor Trelawney did astrology with us, said Parvati excitedly. Mars co- cover, or sorry, Mars causes accidents and burns and things like that. And when it makes an angle to Saturn, like now, that means people need to be extra careful when handling hot things. That, said Ferenc calmly, <laughs> is human nonsense. <laughs> just... That's not even oh, human Lord. nonsense. That's just nonsense. <laughs> That's Trelawney nonsense. It's, it's like, like ugh. If Hermione was there, she would have raised her hand and been like, that ain't me. Don't, right. don't like, let me with that. Yeah, don't, let, don't let me in with that. <laughs> I didn't sign in on that. I didn't sign up for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> says, also, I love Trelawney's philosophy that the future can it can be so... Concrete. Like, seeing the future is so... But not only concrete, but so mundane. Yeah. Like, be careful handling hot things. <laughs> I know. It's like, we very, can drill it's down wild. to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, trivial hurts, tiny human accidents, says said Ferenc. These are no more. These are of no more significance than the scurrying of ants to the wide universe, and are unaffected by planetary movements. Professor Trelawney is a human, said Ferenc simply, and is therefore blinkered and fettered by the limitations of your kind. Sybil Trelawney may have seen, I do not know, but she wastes her time in the main on the self-flattering nonsense humans call fortune-telling, which is, like, the best summation of her, like, just... Has friends actually met Trelawney? Yeah. Is the funniest part. Like, does he... Has he actually ever, except for that one moment... Actually, no, because she left before Dumbledore brought him into the Great Hall. So he may have never actually met her, but still, like, summed her up like no like spoke to her entire soul yeah because all of that was extremely accurate and i don't think they've ever been in the same room together yeah that's he's probably heard about her i guess if you're if you're that close to hogwarts and it seems like friends had a friendship with hagrid uh, and the the centaurs have always kind of had a understanding of what was happening at hogwarts so there must be some sort of they must be connected somehow. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think it's kind of at least implied that Dumbledore does speak to the centaurs. Um, and since he knew that Trelawney was on the outs and obviously needed to talk to friends about if he'd be interested in the position, he's probably gotten some glimpse into that. Um, it still doesn't explain how he could drill so adeptly down to her her entire being. <laughs> like but with the limited information that he might have, he may have had, he really got her. Very quickly. Um he said, uh, I however am here to explain the wisdom of centaurs, which is impersonal and impartial. We watch the skies for the great tides of evil or change that are sometimes marked there. It may take ten years to be sure of what we are seeing. Um, in the past decades, the indications have been that wizard kind is living through nothing more than a brief calm between two wars. 
Mars, the bringer of battle, shines brightly above us, suggesting that the fight must break out again soon. How soon centaurs may attempt to divine by the burning of certain herbs and leaves led by observation of fume and flame. I just also want to point out again, but like with the comparison between Trelawney and Ferenc, um, to Trelawney, Mars is affects accidents and burns, but to Ferenc, he's like not a bringer of battle. One sounds like way more impressive than the other, and I feel like Trelawney should be in this class <laughs> just to take some notes, just for like next year when she got a new batch of third years. He's like, all right, we're ready. Um, we're bringing battle now, which is also more shocking than burns and accidents. accidents. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, um, and we know she loves the drama. I also do love, though, in in his teaching of this, he never. He doesn't do what Trelawney does, which is, like, talk about it with an air of, like, absolutes. Mm-hmm. And also, like, with, with Trelawney, it's whether or not you have the gift. Right. Like, these things are going to happen. Um, but if you can't see it, it's your fault. Or, like, that's your problem. Mm-hmm. And Friends is saying, we can glean these things. It may take 10 years sometimes to fully understand what's happening. And we can do our best to try to, un- like, we believe that the future can be seen in understanding these things, but we also believe that you can misinterpret and misunderstand what you Yeah, right. It's very interesting because it comes down to how does prophecy telling and fortune telling and seeing the future and understanding the future work within the wizarding world because um, we could say that the prophecy with Voldemort and Harry was self-fulfilled like if Voldemort just ignored it then it wouldn't have come true but is that necessarily true because the centaurs are like studying the way that the stars are aligned and like the energy of the planets and does that have anything to do like and, and we see it in in our culture too like with like things like mercury retrograde like is that like do I know that mercury is going into retrograde and I'm like well fuck I'm gonna fuck everything up oh I don't know if I can swear on this no you're fine I apologize <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> yep you know <laughs> like like, I, you know, so it's, like, self-fulfilling prophecy, and then I'm like, oh, um, Richard's in retrograde, like, my hard drive failed, like, that makes sense, but then it's just, like, maybe my hard drive is going to fail anyways, I don't know, um, or, like, I say the wrong thing. Is that what so Mercury, like, Mercury and retrograde means, that everything's going to go bad? Yeah, Mercury controls, like, communications and um, technology, and when it's in retrograde, which is the illusion that it's moving backwards, it, like, kind of puts all these energies in haywire. Um, and it can cause yeah. like wacky things like so you, you might put your foot in your mouth a lot more and like say the wrong thing and like if you're trying to have a serious conversation with somebody um, like that could go wrong but then also like maybe like not like they say not to make big decisions during Mercury retrograde and they also say like don't travel and like back up your hard drive like it's just like kind of funny but like so back to Harry Potter and like, <laughs> our <laughs> bad like weird muggle a universe um but yeah how does that work like we don't really have a true understanding of how fortune telling and um prophecies really work right the the harry potter universe like everybody just has their best guess and so trelawney and centaurs and dumbledore like all have like very different understandings of how it works but they're all like, they're all, like slightly right which is which is interesting too. Like he's saying, "Oh, that we're in a brief calm between two wars," and that's true. 
and that is what you know what I mean like that's what ends up happening by the end of this book is like they're at war again um and even some of the like I mean Trelawney has had at least two actual prophecies before and I mean yeah it's an, it's interesting that like the book does um put a lot of stake in prophecy for plot but then also shows how unreliable it can be at the same time I don't know it's interesting and like shows different kind of opinions on it and different stances on it and ways in which like it works and ways that it doesn't work and all that kind of stuff yeah I don't know well I think that kind of goes into what Olivia was saying too though um and we see this with Voldemort learning about Trelawney's first prophecy which is that he makes that happen like without that action without the knowledge of that prophecy do you make the same decisions and that is kind of true with Every, like, even things that we don't think of as prophecy, right, or fortune-telling, like, when people, um, it's like that, someone always says, like, you will never, you'll miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, right? So, like, people that play the lottery, and then they win the lottery, try to make it seem as though it wasn't luck, but it was, like, it was, you know what I mean? Like, it was, but that's, like, a, it's, um a hindsight bias type of thing. Um, it's just that in the wizarding world, their hindsight bias is accompanied with this prophecy that someone took a, sh- like made a guess at. And maybe there's, there's magical intent there, but um, is, is that not the reason why like those prophecies are held in the department of mysteries? Cause they don't understand that magic mm-hmm. and yeah. they don't, and they're trying to figure that out. Right. But, Which is like, like another reason why i'm like don't think it's a class that should be taught or that's not necessarily true i don't think it should be taught in the way that it is taught yeah it's taught in absolutes it's taught um, in absolutes so even with forens right so he's so they're um burning sage and malasweet and looking for certain shapes and and symbols in the fumes but he seems perfectly unconcerned that not one of them could see any signs he described telling them that humans were hardly ever good at this that it took centaurs years and years to become competent and finished by telling them that it was foolish to put too much faith in such things anyway because even centaurs sometimes read them wrongly and so like then what's the point right like and not necessarily like don't teach divination because you can never make like you can never actually learn how to see the future to tell the future because even Trelawney does that too she's like oh you don't have the inner eye so you can't see as I see so I can't really teach you anything which is like okay well then why are they in your class versus like if there had been if it was like a class about a theory class exactly like if it was like the theory of divination and it was like in this and like you'd be like this section we talk about seers seers and this section we could talk about centaurs and then this one we could talk about some other thing like prophecy or whatever and it can all be theories versus Mm -hmm. it being like you actually physically try to see the future because that just doesn't seem like that's a thing that most people can do um whether you're dealing in absolutes or not i think it also is like it's also one of those things too where you you get ron saying like he's not very um definite on anything and like lavender and Parvati, who are really into divination, it, it, it starts to, like, I think that it kind of sets them up also for failure. Like, there's that Einstein quote that I'm misquoting because it probably wasn't Einstein that says, like, if you 
um, judge a fish by how well he can climb a tree. He'll spend his life thinking he's a failure mm-hmm. type of thing. So um, having it be taught like this also only serves to, there might be some fears in that class, right? But it like only serves to make them very like self-conscious about, I mean, look at Trelawney who like, whose great grandmother was a seer and she puts a lot of stock into like whether or not she's like a great seer. Right. So just, yeah, I think it also causes a lot of like self-doubt and loathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but it's also just like um, super up in the air. Matthew says in the chat, Matthew says that he feels like that divination is taught to distract people from the truth and not actually teach the truth in a keep calm and carry on sort of way. I don't know if I believe that because I think that, um, I think that at least Ferenz is trying to, what I, what I, when I read this, I read Ferenz saying, I'm supposed to teach you this thing, but (laughs) here are all the holes in the thought, in the thought process of teaching you this thing. Um, and Trelawney is obviously teaching it in like a, I'm a celebrity and you'll never be as good as me and, type of weird way. I think it's just a, like everything that we've been saying. It's just not a good class to be taught in absolutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting lesson. I just think that only last can only last for so long, right? Like you just gonna teach a whole class where uh, you might see it, might not see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. So, oh, so the bell rings, um, and it's time to go. Um, but first, Ferenz asks for a word with Harry, um, and then asks him uh, if he's a friend of Hagrid's. Uh, Harry says yes, and then he says, then give him a warning for me. His attempt is not working. He would do better to abandon it. His attempt is not working, Harry repeated blankly, and he would do better to abandon it, said Ferenz. I would warn Hagrid myself, but I am banished. It would be unwise for me to go too near the forest now. Hagrid has troubled enough without a centaur's battle. Um, But what's Hagrid attempting to do, said Harry. Hagrid has recently rendered me a great service, said Ferenz, and as long as he, and he has long since earned my respect for the care he shows all living creatures. I shall not, I shall not betray his secret, but he must be brought to his senses. The attempt is not working. Tell him, Harry Potter, good day to you. Um, So things are, things are happening. Uh, with Hagrid that he doesn't want people to know about. But I think this is the first time we're like clear because this is the first time we're hearing from someone else that Hagrid is clearly up to some other shit. Yeah. Always is that homeboy. It's very true. Always up to something. Hagrid gonna Hagrid. Hagrid gonna Hagrid. Um, I also love that in this like for instance trying to say Hagrid's going to get himself in trouble with the centaurs. Like they're, they're fed up and is still like loyal or respects Hagrid enough not to like give up his secret, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it's interesting because Hagrid going to Hagrid, right? But there's so many um, creatures and people are, and magical beings that do really love and respect Hagrid um, think about the way that, like, Aragog's like, well, I'm not gonna eat ya. That doesn't mean my nef- my, my, my children aren't, aren't gonna do the same thing, but, like, out of respect for Hagrid, I'm not gonna eat ya. Right. And, like, 
And so you get the kind of same thing with friends, which is like, well, I'm not going to tell a secret, um, which is like, I think we talked about this when um, Hermione told about uh, the broomstick that Sirius sent, which was like, I love you or whatever, but if you're going to die, I'm, I'm going to tell. <laughs> like, I'm just going to like, there's no point in like skating around the issue. I'm just going to be like a Dumbledore. Hagger got a giant in the forest and is about to kill himself. <laughs> right. I also think that this is such an interesting, um, we start to see all these different storylines of Order of the Phoenix, like start to align. Um, and we can like, kind of start to piece the, the puzzle together. Like Umbridge is starting to go after the teachers and they're worried about Hagrid because he's got this secret. And then like, kind of like we start to see it come full circle, like in a couple chapters, all of this is going to blow up and, it, and it's all interconnected. And I always like, and like I was listening to your other episode and like J.K. Rowling is a mystery writer. Um, and I totally, Thank you. totally <laughs> agree with that. I always have that these, Books are based off of mysteries and like sometimes they're minor mysteries and sometimes they're huge. You know, like Sorcerer's Stone was a, a whodunit novel. Mm-hmm. And um and so just like structurally, like I think that these are the things that I've always loved about these books is that all of these there's like five different storylines and then like in like one chapter they all come together. Um and and kind of um you see the consequences of these different things start to align. Best book of the yeah. series. Um, um, arguably, I think I think it just it is. Um, okay, so the happiness arguably. that Harry had felt in the aftermath of the Quibbler um, interview had long since evaporated. Umbridge had continued attending all Care of Magical Creatures lessons, so that so that it had been very difficult for Harry to deliver Ferenza's warning to Hagrid. He does actually tell Ferenza about it. Uh, or sorry, tell Hagrid about it. Hagrid says, he don't know what he's talking about on this. The attempt's coming on fine. Uh, Hagrid, what are you up to? Asked Harry. Because you've got to be careful. Umbridge has already sacked Trelawney, and if you ask me, she's on a roll. If you're doing anything you shouldn't be, there's things more important than keeping a job, said Hagrid. Don't worry about me. Just get along now. There's a good lad. I mean, sure, there are more important things than keeping a job. Uh, if that's the case, maybe hit up Grubbly Plank give it to her you can go into the forbidden forest and gallivant with your brother all you want but like there are other people who can do this and i think also yes there are things more important than keeping a job like making sure that the order of the phoenix is not compromised like making sure that you can mount a resistance Mm -hmm. against voldemort and the ministry like not making it easier for them to discount Dumbledore because he's obviously on your side. So let's not make his, you know, reputation even more shaky than it is. There are things more important than a job, especially right now, Hagrid. But Hagrid gonna Hagrid, so. Indeed. Hagrid gonna Hagrid, that's right. Always. <laughs> um... Uh, meanwhile, as the teachers and Hermione persisted in reminding them that OWLs were drawing nearer, all the fifth years were suffering from stress to some degree, but Hannah Abbott became the first to receive a calming drop from Madame Pomfrey after she burst into tears during Herbology and sobbed that she was too stupid to take exams and wanted to leave school now. Um, I, you know, I get those feels. 
Yeah, I, this actually did, came did up. Did you guys a, get? Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you guys ever get the um thing in college where like around finals week, every teacher started each class with like, if you're overwhelmed, <laughs> please see help. Yeah, we had a guy like sort literally of. my freshman year tried to commit suicide and lived, and it was like the most traumatizing thing I've ever seen because he jumped out of the window in like a, one of the main towers yeah. of our school, um, in the middle of the day. <laughs> like it was really traumatizing. And then like my senior year, it happened my freshman year, my senior year, they like interviewed him because he lived. But then it was like every at first it was like every start of like the end of the term I'd get that but then it became like every class started with if you're feeling overwhelmed please like seek help and I had this thought in my head like if it is to the point where you have to give this warning every time maybe you should do something about how overwhelmed we're feeling relook at your curriculum you have control Mm -hmm. over the situation I was just on a, a sorting hat panel earlier today, and this came up, like, the ways that the professors handle stress levels at school, um, like, and handle it at Hogwarts, like, isn't very effective, um, and that could probably be, like, a whole other panel or a podcast about, like, the mental health of students at Hogwarts, and, like, we really, like, oh. Hermione's never buckled, except for, like, what, during her OWLs, um, yeah, third you know, year so when she, she was yeah. doing the time turner. In the third year when she was doing the time turner and she like lost her lost her cool. So I think that this is really interesting. It, like and um, I think this is one of the first times too that we see like a potion being used um as like a like um a calming effect and some sort of equivalent to a stress release like um medication that a muggle would have. Um, um so, so I thought that this when I was rereading to the, the podcast. podcast yeah. If you've listened to the podcast, you would know that I have read one fanfic no. in my life, <laughs> The Survivor, and there is a moment when um, Remus is, like, basically going through depression, and he goes to St. Mungo's to get, it's not the calming potion, but it's kind of like a pepper-up potion type of, basically like an antidepressant that he has to go and get and see a healer for, and I was wondering about that in terms of the school, especially when you think about, we don't hear about wizards having, um, I forget what they're called, like cognitive or like neuro atypical things like ADD maybe, or, um, dyslexia or something like that. But like, what is the system in place for students, especially during these just high stress times? The only thing we get is Hannah Abbott getting a calming drought and it, is useful in that moment, but it doesn't take away the fact that like OWLs right. are still coming up and like the stress level is right. not going and there to are also go down. Kids who have anxiety year round, but then like maybe yeah. maybe there's like yeah. maybe they like keep calming drought on them or something, and it's like regulated as like medication would be, or do they have to go to Madame Pomfrey every time they're having a panic attack? Like, I don't know. So another mystery oh my god, me, and, Adam, me <laughs> and Poppy would be best friends. <laughs> me and Poppy would be best friends. Dude. Especially because I'm thinking about it now, like, my panic disorder at Hogwarts would be insane. There's owls flying in at random times, and 
The staircases are never the same. The staircases are never the same! I would have a breakdown on the staircase as it moved. I know I would. I would literally crumple into a ball and someone would have to pick me up and drag me to Poppy. We're freaking peeves. We talk a lot about how much you love peeves, but for like students with anxiety. Do you know how jumpy I am? And he just pops out of nowhere. Blowing raspberries oh, God, in your no. ear. The fact that you cannot operate inside or outside of Hogwarts is Great. amazing. It's unfortunate for ministry workers and when with anxiety, my house, though. They're fucked. But they're <laughs> for a lot of reasons, including the fact that right. they don't have security. But, like, <laughs> also. Eric is doing his best, but he's got eight jobs. But also, like, yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, operating. I always thought about it as like how great it would be because w- I'm always late. But people just popping up out of nowhere with a big yeah. crack? Uh-oh, that sounds terrible. Mm-mm. Oh, that's terrible. Mm-mm. Let's pour one out for the uh, students, the Hogwarts students suffering from anxiety Seriously. and panic disorders. Yeah, that's a that's a wizard rock song waiting to happen. <laughs> Jot that one down. Nah. Wizard rock about yeah. <laughs> students with anxiety. Um, Laurel t- Laurel says that the dreamless sleep potion would be a good idea, and then wonders if the dreamless sleep would have kept Voldemort yeah, out of Harry's head. But I think it probably would have just let Voldemort. Well, no, because doesn't he use it? Well, I guess Voldemort didn't know about that connection at that point. But didn't isn't it used for him after he gets back from the graveyard? Yeah. But again, Voldemort didn't know about the that like brain connection, so I don't know if that would make a difference now versus at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. No clue. Interesting. Um, <laughs> so, in the DA, well, the DA is the only place where Harry's actually happy in school, so that's unfortunate. And, you know, that means that things are about to go terribly wrong. As <laughs> soon, as, soon as you say that, this is the only thing that Harry feels, um, <laughs> like, happy about. Uh, if it had not been for DA lessons, Harry would have been extremely unhappy. Well, let's, let's go there now. Um, so... <laughs> uh, in this in this lesson, they are finally working on Patronuses, which everyone had been very keen to practice, though as Harry kept reminding them, producing a Patronus in the middle of a brightly lit classroom when they were not under threat um, was very different to producing it when confronted by something like a Dementor. Uh, oh, don't be such a killjoy, said Cho brightly, as her uh, silvery swan-shaped Patronus soared around the room of requirement. They're so pretty. They're not supposed to be pretty. They're supposed to protect you, said Harry. What we really need is a Boggart or something. That's how I learned. I had to conjure a Patronus when the Boggart was pretending to be a Dementor. Which, I don't... Would that work with anyone else other than him? Because isn't the point of the Boggart, like, uh, I mean, that I think it, it... Maybe Harry would have to, like, stand right next to it or something. It turns into what But, you, like, it turns into what you fear most, not yeah, Dementors. Yeah, into what you fear so the most. they don't all fear... But if you're... If, if what you fear is something that you would like to be protected from, like, I think the easiest way to get rid of a boggart is the ridiculous charm, but I think a Patronus no, it doesn't. work. It just draws, it just pushes because them they away, protect but that's you. only because... But I, but I also think that's just because it's a 
bonkers. Like, or, sorry, it's just because it's like a Dementor, right? So I, there's a moment in Goblet of Fire at the end when Harry's in the maze um, and he sees the Dementor and he does expect a Patronum and the Dementor stumbles. It doesn't like die or go away. It stumbles and he's like, oh shit, you're a bogger. That's not going to work. And then he uses Ridiculous. But it's the, the, the thing that he's trying to do is get them to be able to produce a Patronus well, in a Well, no, but I think, honestly, I do think that what my, what I am saying, though, like, it's it's less about, it's more about can the Bogart turn into a Dementor if it's facing Hermione? No, I'm saying, though, you don't need, you don't need it to, you don't need a Dementor to have to produce a Bogger. I mean, sorry, a, a Patronus. If right, I that's think how they that, pass messages. Right, but I also think that if a Patronus is supposed to protect you, like Harry uses them against bot or against Dementors the most, but you could also use it against a couple like other things to protect you. They're protectors. It's not they only protect mm-hmm. from Dementors. That's like it's very one dimensional. So if it's something that you fear and you want protection from. You could produce a, a Patronus. I mean, just that's potentially. More, I don't know if that's. It's, it's better, a quicker, or not. More efficient. Yeah, I think we only see do ridiculous. We only see Patronus used in two two instances, right? One to pass messages and, and carry your voice, and two to protect you from and chase away Dementors, right? And like that's all we see in the books. Yeah, and and I mean, yeah. I also also this is less about like what we think Patronus can be used for and more I'm also just thinking through about Harry's logic right um hold on. right I'm yeah um mm-hmm. I have two thoughts one is gonna ruin you oh fun get ready no! for that um I just realized that Cho's Patronus is a swan and swans mate for life <gasps> they're one of the only animals that oh like get God. has a mate for life but i think when they lose Connie? their mates like don't they find don't they find love again the swans i don't know i'm sad i was me too. i don't know i'm sad now too I myself now sad. i have to look this up but that's powerful Jake, she always every time i reread these books i find something new also i didn't realize that they celebrated easter very Christiany. Yeah. That's that seems wrong. But like, yeah, I think that's weird because. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like beneficial for like the, the, like people with Muggle family. Maybe I mean I always thought of it as like you know it's a spring yeah. break but, still yeah, yeah I mean they send Easter eggs and stuff. Maybe. Huh. Oh my gosh! So according to BBC Earth. Um, when swans mate, and they have a long courtship, or relatively long, they stay with their partners for life, but whatever feelings they may have for each other, this loyalty is strategy for maximizing the number of babies that they can raise. And it says that, it says that sometimes an unusual, with few exceptions, this is unusual, most other birds... Um, will raise their young as a pair for one season and then move on to new mates for the next. Um, It's insane. So Chang, killing me softly. (sighs) 
They're highly effective fighting teams, too. So Chang. And they eat less when separated from their mates. Okay, can we? That's not true. So is really I was going to say, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, can't relate. But um, can we move on? Because this is sad. This is very sad. Yeah. I mean, you I warned us, but also, like, yeah. Robin's going deeper into the hole. Yeah. Says, it says that they change meat sometimes when bad breeding seasons. I can't relate to that. So they really, like, if they, the divorce rate among swans is about 4%. And it's usually because um, they, like, have, they have reproductive issues like humans oh but they do cheat swans aren't perfect <laughs> yeah let's I, move on i'm really cho- into swan mating right now cho chang was playing the field before okay um yeah let's but that on. would be really scary said lavender and i still can't do it um neville was having trouble too you've got to think of something happy harry reminded him i'm trying said neville miserably who was trying so hard his round face was actually shining with sweat that's kind of sad, too, actually. Uh, Harry, I think I'm doing it, yelled Seamus, who had been brought along to his first ever DA meeting by Dean. Look, ah, it's gone. But it was definitely something Harry, Harry, okay. Um, also, <laughs> shout out, like, I mean, it's about to not be fun, but, like, your first time in the DA and you get to learn how to do a Patronus. Didn't even... Right? But also, like, shout out that he's seeing, right. like, some results because he is right. so far he behind the rest of He doesn't to do nothing else, but... That's a valid point, yeah. And also shout out to Harry for letting him in the DA. True. I would be petty. <laughs> like, sorry, we're full, Dean. My bad. Should have told you before. <laughs> we're so, yeah. I mean, like, it's cool he apologized or whatever, but that don't make... Half the year done gone by. <laughs> like, I'd be petty for sure. I'd make him, I'd make him wait. <laughs> I always thought that bit. that was that was something else about this book that didn't sit well with me is that Dean and Harry fought for a long time, a long time, um, and I always thought that that was like impressive on both their parts to like hold that grudge. Um, but like that's how that like everybody talks about how grumpy Harry is in this book, and like when you kind of take a step back or you get a little bit older, like, he was living in a, in the same room as somebody that, like, wouldn't speak to him for, like, yeah. months. And, like, that, that's like having your, like, being in a fight with, like, an internal fight with your roommate. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Stressful. It's very true. Too much. Um, uh, Hermione's Patronus was a shining silver otter, um, and it was gambling around the around her they are sort of nice aren't they she said um and then the door of the room of requirement opened and closed again uh harry looked around to see who entered and to his great astonishment he saw dobby the house elf peering up at him from from beneath his usual eight hats um i so it's really funny like as i was reading this um well it's not funny it's just who i am as a person um i was like thinking of the way that they did the movie and how awful it was because first of all how are you just gonna blow a hole in the room of requirement how 
But right? that don't even make any that. Mm. Anyway, also, I just like to th- like thinking of like how little Dobby gets used in the movies often makes me upset because I think like this is the most bizarre like just like picture right this little house elf comes scurrying to the room with all these hats on his head and he's like y'all are in danger and like how do you not like because it's like such a bizarre image but then it's very um like it's just very harry potter i guess like i feel like just that like whimsy is always there even when things even when as it gets darker and like as serious things happen um there's still an air of like it being magical and like really strange and weird. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the movies. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I agree. Um, I'm over here looking at Otter Facts and I have a quibble about it being Hermione's Patronus, but I will save that for Twitter. I, <laughs> I also think that because I am a person who every single time I watch Deathly Hallows part one, I, I ugly cry when Dobby dies and I came to the realization that a lot of that it's is the, books. the emotions of Dobby in the book, right? Because, um, because Dobby in the movie no, is not worth He literally the shows up in Chamber of Secrets. And then he shows up again in the Deathly Hollows to talk with Creature, or to like have that one uh, scene with Creature in Grandma Place scene. and then to die. <laughs> like, those, <laughs> like you literally don't see him for five years and then he dies. And you're supposed to be sad about it. Oh. which which is like well and no I, was. I mean like yeah good, good, good i job. was but that's because but, i read the books and i know he's like in it more and like you have a deeper relationship with him but if you're just like a casual watcher yeah. of the movies like i don't who the hell who was that i don't know yeah but it's also like my point though is that like those moments like we like you said like okay dobby probably costs some money because cgi and all that stuff but like it really doesn't take much time to include like it goes back to that whole burning of the burrow thing could have brought dobby in instead of doing that but like right but like i think the thinking is and this is just pure speculation but the thinking is that like an explosion is more like action-packed or more exciting um, which is just then like saying that you don't trust your actors to, cause you can have, um, exciting and dramatic scenes without explosions and like having Dobby come in and warn Harry is probably just as much in terms of production costs as having them blow up a hole in the room of requirement, which does never gets mentioned again. And also, I just can't imagine that the room of requirement works that way. Like, how did you find the back of the room? I mean, it, it, find the back to blow it up. I don't Neither like. Neither do I hate the movie. Okay, let's move on. I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm really upset that we're gonna have to watch it soon. So we shall see. Um, let's 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 move on. Um, hi, Dobby said Harry. What are you? What's wrong? Uh, for the house elves eyes were wide with terror and he was shaking harry potter sir squeaked the elf harry potter sir dobby has come to warn you but the house elves have been warned not to tell he ran headfirst at the wall harry who had some experience of dobby's habits of self-punishment made to seize him but dobby merely bounced off the stone cushioned by his eight hats um what happened dobby 
Harry Potter. She, she, who's she, Dobby? Sorry, pages sticking together. Um, but he thought he knew. Surely the only one she could induce. Surely only one she could induce such fear in Dobby. Um, Umbridge asked Harry. Dobby nodded. What about her? Dobby, she hasn't found out about this, about us, about the DA. Um, he read the answer in the elf's stricken face. He, uh, his hands held fast by Harry. The elf tried to kick himself and sank to his knees. Is she coming? Dobby let out a howl. Yes, Harry Potter. Yes. What are you waiting for? Harry bellowed, um, at the rest of the DA. Run. Um, so really quickly, just about Dobby and kind of like this, this ownership situation with, with the elves. I don't know. I I feel like it's I feel like it's weird and I, and and Dobby isn't Well, for one, obviously like the elves are still enslaved like whether they're working at Hogwarts or not. But like I'm also curious about Dobby being a free elf and still having these restrictions put on him even though he's getting paid. Yeah, I wonder how much I was reading a scene to prep and I wonder like how much of this is like habit. Like somebody right can absolutely tell me like I I sometimes like stem by like rubbing my eyebrows when I'm like thinking and I'm like I'm kind of anxious like that's just something and then I'll end up with like a bald patch in front of, in my eyebrow and um it doesn't matter like how many times like somebody like tells me not to do that or I change my own behavior or I'm going to the gym more or I'm like taking better step steps to be less stressful you know like I like inevitably like I will always mm-hmm. revert back to that kind of behavior because it's just like so ingrained and like something that I've done for so long and I I when I read this scene like I really felt like Dobby just like hasn't like he has what he wants he has his freedom but and we don't really know how old Dobby is too so like old habits die hard um and he's technically betraying authority even though he is getting paid like he's betraying an authority and that's something that Dobby like doesn't he's only done twice in his life and he's punished himself horribly every single time um you know that we've seen so i definitely read this as as him kind of like just in this old old Mm -hmm. habit yeah that yeah that makes sense um i mean we kind of talked about this before too with um dobby and the house elves in general of is it magically is it magic bound or is it culturally bound that they hurt themselves when they? Because, yeah, because sometimes it. it seems um, yeah, sometimes it seems like you know, like magically induced that like you can't tell. Like it's I don't know. Like it's like he has to push past some magical barrier, and then once like he can't tell does, secrets, he then right? punishes himself. Well, also like um, like I have to sign an NDA at work every once in a while, like for new projects. And, like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's a binding contract. And, like, they're paying me, and that's my job. Um, and I wonder if if Dobby's morality, like, kind of functions in that way, too. Like, by working, by agreeing to work for Hogwarts, even though he's being paid and he's free, like, that's still a con- like a morality contract that he's in, is to kind of hold the castle secrets and hold, um, you know, authority, Um in in respect and he's like going against that in this scene and um 
it all adds up to reasons why we all like we all love Dobby so much. Like how many times has he put his neck out to to save Harry one way or another? Um, and I loved in this scene how we see Harry. Um, I think just after what are you waiting for? Run, Dobby. This is an order. Get back down to the kitchen with the other elves. And if she asks you whether you warn me, lie and say no. And I for and then I forbid you to hurt yourself. He added, um, like I love that like. Between books two and five, like, Harry figured out, like, how to talk to Dobby um, and, like, how to handle him. And that's just... Um, right, I mean, like, that was one of the other yeah, things I, I did like that. about this um, scene. And I feel like he does it at another point, too, where, like, he's anticipating that Dobby is going to try to hurt himself. And I think he, like, he... You know, he's a little bit too late the first time when Dobby runs into the wall or whatever, but, like, he was still ready for that to happen. And is like, yeah, I know he's about to do this, so let me, like, hold his arms away from him. Yeah. And, like, you know, he only has two hands, so he can't really, like, fully stop Dobby, but, like, you know, he's anticipating that that's going to happen. It also... But I wonder, because, you know, I'm... do Bayana, you're still trap of a mind. Do, do we about get what? anything about creature hurting himself creature hurting himself um, in punishment he did there's a mention after of him having game. to do it after he comes back from uh from the Malfoys um yeah there's a mention of him yeah there's a mention of him like having to do it but I think that like we don't see it happen And actually, also, sorry, also, I think he, um, when he's telling Harry and Ron and Hermione about the locket, he mentions that, like, whenever he failed to destroy it, he would, like, punish himself for it. Which, yeah, which is, uh, okay. Yeah, because I'm thinking about all of those, like, smaller things that Creature disobeys. Um, are kind of skirts around like serious in ways and he it seems like kind of a not a morality thing but like a level of uh, degrees so one thing is that like Creature is also taking instructions from the portrait of uh, Sirius's mother um, but he doesn't seem to punish himself as severely in all situations as Dobby does. And I think that's a level of what Olivia was kind of saying about how Dobby's morality and like how it's ingrained in him. And like, so there's still some sort of like personal, like level of responsibility or, or seriousness that you can, that house elves have in in how to punish themselves, I, I guess. Because I know there are, like, times when um, I have had to, like, I felt really bad and I've punished myself and I've been, like, I remember one time I I had this whole thing when I was younger about stealing newspapers because I thought that they were free. I wasn't stealing them. They're on that rack by the door. So you just take it and go. And then one time my mom caught me and she was like, did you pay for that? And I was like, no, they're free. They put them right there. She's like, you see that 25 cent, 50 cent? You know what I mean? I was like, oh no, I'm a thief. The police are coming. Like, I've been running this newspaper thieving ring for years. And 
I like punished myself by going back in and like not just paying for that newspaper, but like giving like three dollars, which I knew was like I knew was like less than what I actually owed them for all of the papers that I had stolen because I would Damn. take like the Sunday New York Times. <laughs> They're, they're there and like um, but like it still like eased my guilt you know what I mean like and no one was like making me I mean my mom made me go pay for the newspaper but like I was like well let me drop off a couple extra ducats because I've just realized that I'm a thief and um but it was still kind of like one of those things where like I gave, I gave myself kind of a pass like I didn't go and sit down and like actually calculate all of the stuff and I'm sure I didn't give them all of the money that I had I was like three dollars seems like a punishment that I can live with you know what I mean so I think that there's kind of like that yeah great area to the house um, magic yeah and then I was also curious about like is Harry allowed to give Dobby orders and I know that like I know that Dobby I think Right. Harry knows that Dobby will follow it, but I don't think anyone's really allowed to give right. Dobby orders because he's a free elf. Yeah, I, besides, like, the, um, besides, like, the orders that you get, like, mm-hmm. Olivia was saying, like, you know, it's your job and you have job duties and someone gives those to you, but they're not allowed to, like... I always felt like, you know... I mean, like, Harry and Dobby have a friendship and that can't be denied, but I also think that it was a little bit of, like, an adopted master um, mm-hmm. situation. Um, and and I think that it, it's just one of those things, like, this is ingrained in house elf blood. And I think we see that in the wizarding world, especially when Hermione starts up spew, or S-P-E-W, like, people are like, what do you mean? Like, this is what they want. And then you go to certain house elves, and certain house elves are like, yeah, this is what we want. Like, this is just how it is, and we're happy with this. Um, and and I think, you know, we catch the worst of house elf treatment with by, by seeing the Malfoys and how they treat Dobby. Um, but it might not be like that in every, every wizarding household. So um, I think a lot of this is just ingrained behavior in, in Dobby as a house elf because that's, that's what house elves do. Um, they, they take orders and they, they, um, or that's just how they work. So I, so I just thought that the scene was was very sweet in a way. It was just um, such a good representation of of how Dobby and Harry's relationship has developed. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I also, I mean, we've talked about the fact that like there is no bigger Harry Potter stand than Dobby. Like he decorates the room of requirements saying "Harry Christmas" and like. If there is like someone who he's going to listen to, it's gonna be Harry Potter. And I think, like Olivia said, like they have from like book year two to year five for Harry to really understand kind of the the not power, but like mm-hmm. the persuasion and prestige he has in Dobby's eyes. So as much as he it's kind of similar to when he tests out whether or not he owns creature, but, right? It's like, I mean, this may work, this may that, not work, but I'm going to try it. I think part of like, the thing, right, and I think it's the... It's the phrasing of it, right? It, I, I think this, like, kind of in the way that he's... Te- like, yeah, he's telling Dobby to do, like... Like, it's a 
good thing to tell him not to hurt himself, right? But he's like, this is an order. I'm forbidding. Like, the, it's the words that he's using um, that make it, like... Well, kind of, but then I'm also, like... It's like the Jedi mind trick, how though. easy it is for Harry to kind of, like, fall into that role as, like, a slave master, essentially. And, like, he's not doing, like, a bad thing technically here, but then it also is kind of, like, okay, but when creature turns up like he's like okay yeah he like kind of easily accepts that as a thing and the only reason he doesn't want to do it is because he doesn't like creature but not because like he doesn't want to own i also like at some point like dobby wanted to be free so setting dobby free even though harry didn't understand the complexities of it as a 12 year old kid like was a favor and setting creature free like wouldn't no not at all and i'm not and i'm not even saying that like Like, i'm not saying that Harry should have set creature free i think that jk rowling wrote it into a no but i think that like it's totally okay that harry just kind of accepted that uh, you know and used it to his um not and he didn't often but you know when he did use creature and give him orders it was you know um like fine like I, i think that that's like a very interesting um dichotomy between like harry setting um Dobby free, but like not doing the same for creature. That's a, such an interesting like. Topic yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely think so. And I'm not even. Yeah, I mean, we've right, talked and about I'm not the house saying that, like, because of the way that the, that the narrative that, worked, like, right? Like, it wouldn't have worked for Harry to set creature free. Um, and I'm not even saying that. I'm not even really trying to bring creature into it as much. Um, but I'm more just thinking of like, upon Harry setting Dobby free, um, Dobby then felt as if he was indebted to Harry, which then makes their relationship, like, the power balance isn't equal. Um, And, like, while they, you know, they have respect for each other and they do both consider each other friends, um, there is, like, a power imbalance within their friendship because of, like, kind of... I mean, it may partly be because of um, Dobby's, like, own kind of habits... Um, but I think it's also like Harry doesn't really challenge that right in the way that like if Hermione had suddenly like had like set had been the one to set Dobby free in the beginning or whatever I think she would have been far more uncomfortable with like kind of the ways that Dobby would treat her I guess like if she if he was treating her the way that he treats Harry and I think Harry just kind of accepts it um, which is I feel like kind of a thing that he does generally in the wizarding world is he kind of just accepts it as like that's what the normal thing is and doesn't really challenge it often um mm-hmm. yeah he's so new to it like who is he to come in yeah Potter it's that Potter yeah. privilege and he's, like who's him who is he to sometimes to come through and like challenge like like the wizarding world economy doesn't make any sense like is harry potter gonna nope. say anything about that like probably not he's just gonna be like all right my wand costs seven galleons. I have. He has lots of... That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he also has, like, lots of money, so he's like, who cares about economics and math? Um, I got it. I'll spend it. Yeah. But I think... I, I agree. I I agree with Olivia's point. I also love that we've had Olivia and Perma on the mm-hmm. show, and they both have, like, Oh, Mitchell, no. Uh, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but I, I do agree that like there's something inherent in in Harry and we've talked about this even with occlumency and stuff where he just doesn't he doesn't interrogate 
mm-hmm. everything in his surroundings the way that you think he should given like who he is and what he's gone through there are certain things that he just like blindly accepts um and it goes i think it goes back to what makes him such an infuriating protagonist and the reason why we all yeah at some point or other cannot stand harry potter (laughs) there's there i want to meet the person who has read all of these books multiple times and has loved and sided with harry on right throughout because okay let's move on (laughs) because we are is getting late and we haven't even gotten to the main event um yes (laughs) um so Harry um, starts to run. Uh, there was a boy's bathroom up ahead. He could pretend he had been there all the time if he could just reach it. Um, but something caught him around the ankles and he, spell- he fell spectacularly, skidding along um, on his front of six, uh, on his front for six feet before coming to a halt. Um, of course, it was Malfoy, who uh, was concealed in a niche behind, or sorry, beneath an ugly dragon-shaped vase. Trip, Jinx Potter, he said. Hey, Professor, Professor, I've got one. Um, It's him, Umbridge said jubilantly. Excellent, Draco, excellent. Oh, very good. 50 points to Slytherin. I'll take him from here. Stand up, Potter. Um, He had never seen Umbridge looking so happy. So she, I just, Malfoy needs to mind his business. Umbridge needs to get a new hobby. Everyone needs to chill. Um... It's also like the Snape thing of right. being gleeful at getting someone in trouble as opposed to being like, okay, let me like bring some discipline into the school. It's right. more like, ha, 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 you're an adult in now. a school. Like, what? And you're I'm an adult. Child. Why? I need you to not Why? have a it's grudge against me. <laughs> That's like me being like, it's, it's, right. it's very strange. Um, uh, okay so um umbridge tells malfoy to hop along and see if he can if he can round up any more of them tell the others to look in the library anybody out of breath check the bathrooms miss parkinson can do the girls ones off you go and you uh she said in her softest most dangerous voice as malfoy walked away you can come with me to the headmaster's office potter one quick thing is I just realized how, like, gender normative right. Miss, right. Miss um, yeah. Parkinson can check the mm-hmm. girls' bathrooms because you can't go in there, even though we're rounding up the <laughs> <laughs> So funny. It's a big laugh. I mean, it's that. late Like, she had to like make sure to, like, guess, say like, that. Yeah. Which is... Right. It would, it would literally be, like, if... Your teacher thought that there was like a fight club or something, or there was like you know a fight broke out, and someone was hiding in the bathroom, and they had to wait for like the right gender to come along to do like no, they just clear the bathroom, right? They open the door, and they're like, "I'm coming in." (laughs) Nope, gotta wait for gotta wait for Miss Parkinson to find. So, uh, Harry thought of Ron. Mrs. Weasley would kill him, and of how Hermione and how Hermione would feel. If she was expelled before she could take her OWLs, and it had been Seamus's very first meeting, and Neville was getting so good. Um, remember two week two pages ago, this was the only thing keeping him from being unhappy at Hogwarts, and then it just all went to shit. 
And now he feels guilty about it because there's all these other people who are going to be affected. That's so I feel like that's so Gryffindor. It's true. Of him. Also human, which... Yeah. But that's um, yeah. Dumbledore hasn't changed his password in four months, so it's still fizzing Wisby. Um... Maybe for him, yeah. Because I guess, like, you don't, like, all the teachers would know his password, right? And, like, if they're walking up there with a kid, like, then the kid's gonna know the password. So there's really no reason, really, for him to not, like, for it to be a problem. Yeah, like, who, what students go up there besides him? Right. Or, I mean, like, some do when, like, they're in trouble or, like, when there's, like... True. Yeah. Right, but who's like trying to go? Right, to the like what's sneaking office, to Dumbledore's office? You know? Why? Like, why does he even have a password? To be honest, yeah. <laughs> um, so they get up to his office, uh, which is full of people. Dumbledore was sitting behind his desk. Professor McGonagall stood rigidly beside him. Cornelius Fudge was rocking backward and forward on his toes beside the fire. Um, and Kingsley and Kingsley okay. Shacklebolt and a tough-looking wizard Harry didn't recognize um, were on either side of the door like guards. And Percy hovered excitedly beside a, the, uh, the wall, a quill and a heavy scroll of parchment in his hands, poised, apparently poised to take notes. Um, maybe there's a spell that, like, makes it easy to write in the air, but, like, you don't have a clipboard or nothing. I mean, I don't want him to be comfortable, so, like, you know. <laughs> this is, like, the thing about wizarding engineering that has always confused me. Like, you can't figure out these very simple things, but you right. can do magic. Like, there's no spell that, like, makes, like, an invisible, like, platform for you to write That's why I'm, like, maybe it is, and I, and we just don't, like, it's not acknowledged. But, like, how, like, who Percy's wants to sit much. up here writing on Percy's a scroll? Percy's too excited to, like. With no kind of, like. <laughs> wouldn't you poke through right? with the No gold? kind of support. I don't know. But, oh, well. Percy made that choice. He made that bed. Oh, Percy. Um, the portraits of the old headmasters and mistresses were not uh, were not shamming sleep tonight. Um, all of them were watching what was happening alert, uh, below, alert and serious. Uh, Harry pulled himself free of Umbridge's grasp as the door swung shut behind him. Fudge was glaring at him with a kind of vicious satisfaction upon his face. Again, like we said, these are adults, and they're way too satisfied. To be catching children. This dude is 15 years old. Um, Well, 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 well. Harry replied with the dirtiest look he could muster. He was heading back to Gryffindor Tower, said Umbridge. The Malfoy boy cornered him. Did he? Did he? I must remember to tell Lucius. Well, Potter, I expect you know why you are here. Like, you're going to tell the Death Eater who's been whispering in your ear this whole time? Okay, that's cool. Do you, I guess. (laughs) Um, Harry fully intended to respond with a defiant yes. His mouth had opened and the word was half formed when he caught sight of Dumbledore's face. Dumbledore didn't look directly at Harry. His eyes were fixed upon a point just over his shoulder. But as Harry stared at him, he shook his head a fraction of an inch to each side. Such a, such a bad plan. I mean, it's a bad plan. Also, I, I think this is the only time that I'm not like, so this is the only time I wouldn't be mad that Dumbledore is not looking at him, right? Like, I think that the fact that he's looking just over his shoulder makes it seem like he's looking at him, so then it's like, what's the point? 
But if you were trying to be stealth and like shake your head, like look, mm-hmm. don't look at Harry, but like you could still be like, mm, don't do it, right? Without looking at him, but you have to make it more obvious that you're not looking at him. I don't know. <laughs> I, it just I, right, like it's so clear shady. that this th- this, this moment like is him. because it's not about being stealthy for Fudge. It's about like not wanting Voldemort to look at his face or whatever. So it's just like not as right. clever, I guess, as it could be. Um. Just. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So Harry says, "Yeah, no. I beg your pardon. No," said Harry firmly. <laughs> "You don't know why you're here." "No, I don't," said Harry. Um, Fudge looked incredulously from Harry to Umbridge, and Harry took the advantage uh, took advantage of this moment um, to uh, steal another quick look at Dumbledore, who gave the carpet the tiniest of nods and a shadow of a wink. In that moment. I think he was a little bit more stealth. Um, yeah. So you have no idea, said Fudge, why Professor Umbridge has brought you to th- this office. You are not aware that you have broken any school rules. School rules, said Harry. No. Or ministry decrees? Not that I'm aware of. Um, it was almost worth telling these lies to watch Fudge's blood pressure rising. So it is news to you, is it, that an illegal student organization has been discovered within this school? Yes, it is, said Harry. I think, Minister, said Umbridge, we might take, we might make better progress if I fetch our informant. I love the fact, though, that Harry, like, this is, like, I mean, Sassy Harry is the best Harry, but this is literally, like, one of my favorite Harry Potter sassy scenes, because he's just like, no, mm-mm, you got, <laughs> no, spell it out for me, I don't know, no, mm-hmm. why are we here? Because it's also just, like, I'm not gonna, like, tell on myself right, although he was because he was feeling real Gryffindor like, for a moment he was like yeah I know why I'm here I'm making this right. secret defense organization like he was about to go all the way in for no reason and then Dumbledore was like sir chill <laughs> calm down I also calm think down. that like, this, this whole book is about how Harry is like not good at mm-hmm. at all uh, <laughs> and so and we, I think it comes up about like um I don't know. Harry's just like not good at sneaking around. He's no. not a sneak. Um, he he be nosing, but he yeah. don't be sneaking. Yeah, he thinks he's really good at it, but he's not at all. Yeah, him and Ron. Ron is the worst. Um, <laughs> Ron be asking loud ass questions. Neville, <laughs> what are you doing here? Like, come on, <laughs> chill. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, you know, that was pretty bad. But also, like, he comes by it honestly. His brothers were literally asking Order of the Phoenix Secrets in the middle of a, like, full ward. So, you know, <laughs> what, what can he do? Um, uh, so Fudge says, there's nothing like a good witness, is there, Dumbledore? Nothing at all, Cornelius, said Dumbledore. Um, so they waited several minutes. Um, and then Umbridge uh, comes back with Cho's curly-haired friend, Marietta, who was hiding her face in her hands. Don't be scared, dear. Don't be frightened, said Umbridge. It's quite all right now. You have done the right thing. The minister is very pleased with you. He'll be telling your mother what a good girl you've been. Marietta's mother, um, minister, is Madam Edgecombe from the Department of Magical Transportation, Flu Network office. She's been helping us police the Hogwarts fires, you know. Jolly good, jolly good, said Fudge. Like mother, like daughter, eh? Well, come on now, uh, dear. Don't look up. Don't be shy. Let's see what you've got to... Galloping gargoyles. Um, so before we get into what happened to Marietta, it's just like, 
It's just so gross. The ministry is the worst. The but like how worst. how like Umbridge is obviously painting like Marietta's been in it from you know and like her mother like it's it's almost sinister like the way that you like it's kind of like threatening Marietta without actually threatening her like you know her mom who works in the Ministry of Magical Department mm-hmm. in the flu you know mm-hmm. her her yeah like to be like I don't even think about like this changing your story I can such a power dynamic here um and we'll get into this but I think that this this is like a crucial part of of the Marietta plight like her mom works for the ministry and we don't have details on it and we don't have much details on who her mother is um and what her characterization is but I think it's like such an important detail that her mom is involved in like this is her job and as we know there's not many jobs in the wizarding world like you either work for the ministry or you're a famous quidditch player or you're a teacher at hogwarts or you're a nurse at st mungo's and like that's it so she can't she can't lose her job because those are her skills and where else is she gonna go so i think that that's a really important um piece of the and i think the other thing too just kind of going off of that a little bit is that like so the way Umbridge kind of frames her mom is by saying like, oh, she's been helping us police the Hogwarts fires. But like, she works in the flu network office. So it's not like she's helping because she necessarily agrees with you. She's doing it because that's her job to monitor fires. Right? Like, I think that like the way that she kind of positions yeah, Madame also- Edgecombe and then therefore Marietta is being on their side when really like that may be the case, but that might not be true. Right. It might just be like, that's, it's my job mm-hmm. to do that. You asked me to do my job. So I'm going to do my job so I could get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I also think it's like, it's calls back to when we first um, hear Cho talking about Marietta, who doesn't really, isn't keen to join the DA because her mom works at the ministry. She's already mm-hmm. uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. And that, Lynn's, leads me to believe that like um her mother's job or position is important like either whether it's important to their financial security or it's something that Marietta is proud of her mom for working there or you know what I mean like there's a lot of different ways in which that's important but well, from the start of this she didn't want to compromise mm-hmm. or break any rules because her mom works for the ministry and a lot of people say that she just shouldn't have joined. And my answer to that is peer pressure. Uh, like peer pressure, but also not peer pressure. Like her best friend just lost her boyfriend. And like potentially as as we've seen, like maybe the first person that Cho Chang like loved and like had all these first experiences with. And like he just like got killed. And it's traumatic for the whole school, but it's also very specifically traumatic for Cho Chang. And so how do you support your friend when you can see your friend struggling and you see your friend trying to move on? And your friend wants to join this club because she's passionate about um, making sure Cedric didn't die in vain. And like, what are you going to do? Like, you have to choose between your family and you have to choose between your friends. Like, that's a struggle that we see within the Harry Harry Potter books all the time. So I think Marietta was just trying to do the best she could by her friend and like especially with Hogwarts being a boarding school like you're with your friend every day that's true um, yeah and you eat breakfast lunch and dinner and you're your like, friends I'm are your family I'm also curious about your friends are your sorry family. just really quickly about like and you know maybe this is just a backstory that we didn't get because this 
book isn't from Cho's point of view. Um, but last book, she had a lot of friends. So then it's interesting to me that, like, of the people who she drags to the DA, it happens to be Marietta, who, like, clearly doesn't want to be there. But doesn't she have other friends who may have more interest? Or did that, like, or did are her friends trash and they, like, ditched her because she's grieving? I mean, because she's sad. Yeah, like, grief is a funny thing. And, like, obviously these kids are really young. And I think um, when we reread the books, it's, like, it's really hard to keep them within Mm -hmm. the age range that they are. Because I know how, at a 27-year-old woman, like, how I would handle the situation. Um, And it would be with a lot more communication and a lot more boundaries set. Um, But they're, what, in... um, how old is Harry? 15, 16. At the yeah. Moment. That's complicated and yeah. scary and your friend is sad all the time and um, and your friend's trying to move on and heal. And like, what are you supposed to do? So I, I, I just uh, like... I do remember... Um, sorry. Sorry. No, go on. I was going to say, I, I remember in when I was in high school, someone's um, brother passed away and they were pretty popular I don't even think it was high school I think it was like junior high but um they were pretty popular um and had a lot of friends but they they got this like immediate support afterwards but then their personality also kind of just shifted and you can see this with Cho too Mm -hmm. Cho's a different person she's crying she's um you know crying at random times she's more somber and grieving and the, you even see with Harry being like, why can't she just, right, why do we exactly. have to talk about Cedric? Why can't she just get over this thing? And I think that like her friends probably were like thinking that they were supportive, but then as the months go on are like, okay, why are, why is mm-hmm. she still so sad? Or when is, when is old mm-hmm. Cho coming back? And like old Cho's never coming back because like, this is a very like, huge thing that has happened um and so she's been transformed by it i think it does show possibly um which we we don't know for sure because we don't get the side of it but um the depth of her friendship with marietta that marietta Mm -hmm. is the one that goes with her and is the one that like is with her throughout because i agree with olivia like you especially in a boarding school, like your, your friends are, they become your mm-hmm. like substitute family. Um, I remember like going to like my first time in the dorms and stuff. And like, even like my college friends now are like so terribly important to me that like, even when we've like, there's been shifts in circumstance and personality. Sometimes it's very hard to like cut off those relationships because of all of that history and what they've been through with you. So, so Marietta is facing this, um, dichotomy of not wanting to do this, not wanting, but also wanting to be brave too, because there is something I think in her that wants as well to make sure that she's prepared and has and knows that like the defense against the dark arts that they're taking is not adequate. Um, because she's she's doing the work in the DA meetings. You know what I mean? Like she's partnering with Cho, and she's not phoning it in to a certain extent or like she's obviously not thrilled to be there but like once she's there she's participating so yeah I just think that there's a lot going on in her mind that I wish we had more 
privy information. Yeah. Um, so Marietta raised her head, um, and Fudge leapt backward in shock, nearly landing himself in the fire. Um, Marietta gave a wail and pulled the neck of her robes right up to her eyes, but not before the whole room could see that her face was horribly disfigured by a series of close-set purple pustules that had spread across her nose and cheeks to form the ro- the word sneak. And and this is and this is where I like I don't know. I think now that I'm older reading it, I feel more like bad for Marietta and like kind of understand more of where she's coming from. Um but I also and maybe this is just because I'm thinking about how I have felt in previous times and it's still just like in me. Maybe it's like my 17-year-old self. I'm still kind of cheering on Hermione a little bit. Yeah, I'm so over Hermione. And I don't, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know that. Well, actually, no, I know what it is. Never mind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. It's not necessarily that it's Marietta. It's so hard. It's another moment, and it's like the next page, and I'll, I'll get to it then. This, this is so hard because I think again, like what I was saying, like we have to think about these. like at the beginning of this chapter, like um, her body was just curling her mm-hmm. eyelashes around her wand and like checking out. Like so, there's clearly a culture of um, like appearance and like Hermione always goes against that. But yet at the same time, we see her dress herself up for the Yule Ball, um, and which is fine. Like anybody is able. Like if you want to present yourself a certain way, that's fine. But like. And I respect that. But, like, this is so traumatizing. No, absolutely. Girl that's, like, worried about how she looks. Um, and, like, it's her mm-hmm. face. Like, And do like, you remember her, Hermione's reaction when they jinxed her teeth? Right. Like, was like, True. I don't Hermione, see a difference. Like, you have been through this. Such a hypocrite in this moment. Like, and, and so I did a Marietta panel. And so this is context for your listeners. I did a Marietta Edgecombe panel um, at LeakyCon in Dublin. And it was called the... Um, the, oh my god, what did I call it? It was like um, the misunderstood plight the un- of Mary, the, yeah. the misunderstood <laughs> plight of Marietta Edgecombe because and like nobody had really like talked about it before um, of uh, like Marietta and I think that I, what I love about the Harry Potter series is even like ten years later we're still finding like these micro characters to like nitpick apart because <laughs> we just can't stop. Um, but like Hermione is so hypocritical in the punishment that she chooses for this. Like if do I think that like somebody that like like expose the, the DA should be punished. Yes. Like I I'm not saying that this is not a punishable crime, but does the punishment mm. match the crime? Um and I don't think so. And Hermione is so hypocritical. Like she fixed her teeth with magic. Like she's worried about her appearance too and she was very affected by Snape's like saying what she said and then she let Madame Pomfrey like fix her face and fix her teeth. So this is just like very vindictive and very nasty on Hermione's part. And I think that we um it's just so so hypocritical um i don't know i think that part of it and this isn't to excuse her i do think because right like it's not like it's specifically targeted at marietta right it's targeted at like all of them um and like the fact that she doesn't tell them is a problem but then also i think that like by her being like oh it's so that if anyone tells it's like still very theoretical and not like really thinking about what the mm-hmm, actual yeah. consequences are and like what the actual person would have to go through after that happens, right? Um, and then like Laurel in the chat mentions. And Laurel mentions too that it's right. Doesn't and actually, go away. so I do want to. Yeah, um, 
fact. Well, it's not even really fact check it. I checked um, earlier before when I was reading it, um, and it goes away. It just takes a really long time, so it's still traumatizing and still so, problematic, obviously. But it like she, and it, it leaves scars, scars, but it's not like um, she doesn't have like the purple um, pustules. They're not as extreme, but it's still a problem. She wears a veil for um, yeah, at least a through her time. last she year covers, at Hogwarts. She covers her face. Can you imagine, like, having your peer do something to you and you still cover your face four mm. years, three years later? <laughs> I don't math. And, um, and like, you still have to go to school and have classes with that person? Like, that is whack. That is so out of whack. Like, her face has been mm-hmm. permanently altered um, because of... And also, I think it's very hypocritical that, you know, and, and we'll see later in the chapter, like, Harry does not let this go. And later in the book and in, in further books, Harry does not let this go. Um, and I just think that that's a little bit hypocritical of Harry as well, because he's made some choices in his in his um, time that he puts um, family or friends um, ahead of other people. And the consequences are not necessarily the same. And, um, like... I mean, Marietta did put these her peers in danger, um, which is where I kind of waver a little bit on defending Marietta. But at the same time, like we've seen Harry make um, decisions to to do something rash, and his friends follow him. Um, so I don't know. I just think that that these kids, um, they're still figuring out their morality. They're still figuring out what they stand for. Um, and don't we also see like later on that like. Umbridge uses Vera to serum, no, so that's it's not, not even fully on. No, nope. that's, that's the, movie. the movie. They decided that instead oh, they were going to have yes. Cho be the person, and they gave Cho Vera to serum, and they didn't mess up her face. Yeah, no, Marietta came yeah. forward on her own, and I do wonder if Hermione. I also think like this is a example of it could be an example of Hermione really not knowing and understanding her own strengths when it comes to magic. Um, and so there's that that. Um, nuance to this as well but I wonder if this would have happened if it if it was drugged out of Marietta would she have had this right. the pustules on her face um, so that's kind of an, an interesting thing that I had yeah about um, and so really quickly so I want to do oh, this sorry, before you I was just going to say that I wanted to like so there's this thing that I came to the realization of um, recently my changing relationship with Hermione, I think partially because so many people on the team are such huge Hermione fans and stands, is that these kinds of things that Hermione does, it is a like, it's a, it gives me the mad scientist type of thing. Like I'm so enamored with the magic and mm-hmm. not the morality. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think that, I think because so many of us, grew up worshiping Hermione and idolizing her that we don't, we, we excuse a lot of this stuff, but it, this isn't the only time when she's done something, which was, I'm so enamored with the magic that I'm not thinking about the morality um, or the, the fuller consequences. And like, Oh, let me just see if I like, let me do this thing because I can do it. Yeah. Which let is me a very a, dangerous polyjuice potion in yeah, the bath, you know the second floor bathroom in the bathroom, um, yeah. and, and have my friends drink about, it, and have my <laughs> like, friends drink it, and not think about the consequences of of um, impersonating people and stealing people's identities, and yeah, for sure. 
I feel that. Um, okay, so Umbridge says, Never mind the spots now, dear. Just take your robes away from your mouth and tell the minister. But Marietta gave another muffled wail and shook her head frantically. Oh, very well, you silly girl. I'll tell him. Um, which is also like, I mean, and we knew this, right? Like, Umbridge only values Marietta as much as she can, like, help her with her story and her agenda, right? And when Marietta's, like, not mm-hmm. down to tell the story again, then she's, like, wants nothing to do with her. Um, but, you know, I don't have to tell you that Umbridge is the worst. We've all read this book before. <laughs> but I also think that it, it's something, it's, it's a very... Um, adult thing to be like oh you're being silly worried about your parents but knowing full well that if she had sneak in like purple past like pustules on her face she would react the same way right it's like a belittling of Mm -hmm. the experiences of children that they don't Mm -hmm. feel as deeply or have the same emotions that adults do or that it's Mm -hmm. not a big deal oh you're being silly but like if that happened to anyone they would be like like, yeah. Ma- traumatized. That's no one. That's your face. Mm-hmm. Like, it's your and face. sorry, but like appearance and the and the importance of appearance does no. not go away with age. You may learn how to deal with it better. You may learn how to like balance, but like five years old to fifty, ninety years old, you don't want sneak on your face and per like that. No one's reacting well to that. Mm-mm. No one. So Umbridge says that uh, Marietta came to her office shortly after dinner this evening and told her that she had something she wanted to tell her. Um, and so I think this is kind of the part that like, and and like, you know, like kind of what Olivia was saying, like not that she deserves the uh, the sneak on her face, but like she deserves some kind of punishment because it's not like Umbridge didn't go to Marietta and be like, is there a secret meeting happening? What Like whether it was like cursing or not, sorry, whether it was like um a potion or like or not like umbridge didn't go to marietta to ask anything right you know what i mean like marietta went on her own um which is kind of where i'm like girl and i get you know and i do understand like you know she's been feeling conflicted and all that kind of stuff and so that's why i think if umbridge had come to her asking i would have been a little bit less um like frustrated with her you know what i mean um, because if it's like mm-hmm. Umbridge coming it's to her, like, you can tell choice. me anything. I know your mom is at the ministry, like all that. And then Marietta says something, then like, okay, yeah, she's like being coerced, like obviously being manipulated in some way. But like Marietta went on her own. And so again, not to say that the punishment fits the crime, but there was a crime. It was a crime. Yeah. And I can't deny it. Right. But I do also think that some of, some of that lays on Harry and Hermione as well because the, there was already stress in having a secret society. There was already like the decree against like groups or whatever. And then when he goes and does the Quibbler interview, the the stress is so much more, right? And then she's going like, there is a crime. I'm not saying that she didn't make this choice, but you know, with the stress of OWLs and then well, the stress not of OWLs. A She's a and then, er- and then like, oh, they're a year above oh. them. Well, okay, so then not the OWLs, but with the stress of keeping the secret and then seeing more and more educational decrees come down that are harsher and harsher, like 
and then seeing kind of with Harry doing the quibbler thing that he's intent on having a target on his back and he's leading the DA. So eventually, like, I could see her saying, like, doing the math and being like, in a weird Peter Pettigrew-ish kind of, like, it's better to just mm-hmm. cut my losses now and go mm-hmm. and, like, lose on my own terms. Which is not that there isn't a crime, but that they're already doing so much stuff that they the added pressure of that Quibbler interview, I think, is what pushed her. We don't know for sure, but that's how mm-hmm. I've always thought I also of it. think, too, like, and it's kind of what we were talking about earlier, like, the mental health representation at Hogwarts, obviously doesn't get touched on and and there's this is an immense amount of pressure for marietta just like you were saying like she's trying to support and be a good friend she is trying to like like protect her mom with the ministry she probably also understands like a lot of these kids you know had parents or family that went through the first wizarding ward too so she probably does have some sort of semblance of recognition of like needing to know how to defend herself um like she, she definitely wouldn't have been there if, if she didn't see value in it, you know, beyond her friendship with, with Cho Chang. So I don't know. She's under this intense amount of pressure. and um, Oh, my God. And then, surprising and then Harry goes on a date with Cho and treats her like crap. So she's like, why am I protecting I mean, Harry Potter? That's a valid. Yeah. He's not know. good to you. I just, know. my brain just clicked right there. And then Harry goes on a date with her best friend and mm-hmm. she ends up crying, which obviously she runs to Marietta and tells her about. And Marietta is yeah. like, in her so head. why are we in the DA? I need to get you away from this that Harry is, Potter. Man, and that this is seems a, like valid, a good way to do it. Um, That's thought a, process. A side of it, I didn't. I'm not going to begrudge that. Wow. Okay, so she said that if I proceed to the a secret room on the seventh floor, sometimes known as the room of requirement, I would find out something to my advantage. I questioned her a little further and she admitted that there was to be some kind of meeting there. Unfortunately, at that point, this hex came into operation and upon catching sight of her face in my mirror, the girl became too distressed to tell me anymore. Again, as like a reminder, like Robin brought it up a little bit earlier, but in the movie it was Cho, but it was because of Veritaserum. And then, yeah, it was basically it was dumb. One thing, though, is, like, when did Umbridge have time to tell the house elves not to say nothing? And, like, you know what I mean? Like, aren't they minding their business somewhere else? Maybe Dobby yeah. just happened to be in the room when it happened or something. Maybe he was, like, cleaning something up. But uh, that that yeah, timeline seems weird to me. Up. That, like, you find out this thing, you go to the house elves, be like, don't say nothing, and then go to the room of requirement. Well, maybe she went to the house elves to figure out where the room of oh, how to possible. get to the room of requirement because she says. Well, no, because Marietta can really tell her know why. About like the she room. says, a secret room on the seventh floor. Like she gives her where it is. Well, on the seventh floor, but it's a secret room, so she's probably well, like. What I'm saying is, okay, how do I... is probably paraphrasing. Right, I said Umbridge what? is probably paraphrasing. She's My probably not are... giving Fudge word for word what Marietta said. Yeah. So. Right, but I'm thinking maybe Marietta didn't get to the how to get into the room before. Maybe. You know. So she's telling her, like, this is a secret society thing. And because she's going through the story of, like, there's this thing, there's this club. um, And then probably it will expand on how to get there after she tells the story, right? But um, once she gets to the point of there's this club, the hex breaks out and then all mm-hmm. is lost so i 
am assuming, obviously, that she, Umbridge gets the rest out of her, but can't get the details of how to get to the room and then goes to the house elves because the house elves know all of right. the castle True. secrets. But that is an assumption. Right. Uh, well now, said Fudge, it is very brave um, of you, my dear. Uh, come, coming to tell Professor Umbridge, you did exactly the right thing. Now will you tell me what happened at this meeting? What was its purpose? Who was there? But Marietta would not speak. Haven't we got a counter jinx for this? Fudge asked, so that she can speak freely. I have not yet managed to find one, Umbridge admitted grudgingly, and Harry felt a surge of pride in Hermione's jinxing ability. So I just... This is, and this is a petty part, and this doesn't really have anything to do with Marietta, so this is, like, the morality part aside. You remember, it's been a while, when, uh, in Defense Against the Dark Arts class, when Hermione went in on Umbridge about, like, Sleekhard not, like, the author of the book they're reading, not liking counter jinxes, and 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 her saying, like, she thinks they can be Uh useful, and here's Umbridge in need of a counter jinx, and she doesn't think they're useful, so she don't know the counter jinx. Your brain is a skill trap of things and that is impressive. And I just, that level of, that level of petty is a little bit like, like it's not, it's like a total, like it completely like moves Marietta from it. So that's why it's like still kind of a problem, but like still. It's my thing about, um, there's a, there's a Charlotte Bronte, I believe there's a Bronte sister who fell in love with like one of her writing teachers and like, like wrote a bunch of letters and the teacher's wife found it and like burned the letters, but also wrote like just like this, um, this amazing amount of petty in like the Regency era. And it's like in the Bronte like museum of like just a clap back. And it's been my favorite thing ever because it's like, you may not have noticed it, but you, your petty mm-hmm. became historical. And it's so problematic, but also, like, like, I appreciate it a little bit, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's definitely right. a problem, like, like but I'm also, level. like, this, you know, this came back to bite you in the butt, like, six months later. And you didn't even know. <laughs> Should have listened. Maybe I'm giving too much credit to Hermione, but when you say that, I'm thinking, like, she has thought that, well, our defense against the dark arts teacher doesn't care too much about counter jinxes and that's who they would probably go to to fix this and whatever madame pomfrey does i don't know how jinxes work in magical world but like it would take much longer for madame pomfrey to do it instead of doing a counter jinx so i feel like it was a part of her thought process when she Mm -hmm. created the jinx uh Okay, um, you will remember, Minister, that I sent you a report in October that Potter had met a number of fellow students in the Hogshead in Hogsmeade. And what was your evidence for that? Cut in Professor McGonagall. I have testimony from, Will- from Willie Wittershins Minerva, who happened to be in the bar at the time. He was heavily bandaged, it is true, but um, his hearing was quite unimpaired. He heard every word Potter said and hastened straight to the school to report to me. Oh, so that's why he wasn't prosecuted for setting up all those regurgitating toilets. What an interesting insight into our justice system. Um, I will say that I also read that in Portia's voice. So (laughs) that as well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Blatant corruption roared a portrait of the uh, the portrait of the corpulent red nosed wizard on the wall behind Dumbledore's desk. The ministry did not cut deals with petty criminals in my day. No, sir, they did not. Thank you, Fortescue. That will do," said Dumbledore softly. "I mean, that's Florian mm-hmm. Fortescue's ancestor. Shout out to him being really adamant about 
this corruption, like just upset and like appalled at this corruption in the ministry. Um, The purpose of Potter's meeting with these students was to persuade them to join an illegal society whose aim was to learn spells and curses the ministry had decided are inappropriate for school age. I think you'll find you're wrong there, Dolores, said Dumbledore. Oh, said Fudge. Yes, do let's hear the latest cock and bull story designed to put pop, to pull Potter out of trouble. Go on then, Dumbledore, go on. Willie Wittishens was lying, was he? Or is it Potter's identical twin in the hogshead that day? Or is there a, sim- a usual, the usual simple explanation involving a reversal of time, a dead man coming back to life, and a couple of invisible dementors? Percy let out a hearty laugh. Oh, very good, minister. Very good. Literally no one asked you. And that is when Harry what a leapt out yeah. and punched him in the face. He wanted to kick him, and, and I think he it. should what have. What an actual prat. Yeah, he wanted to kick him. He should have leapt up yeah. and punched him in the nose. Because why? No one asked you. Cornelius, I do not deny, and nor I am sure does Harry, that he was in the hogshead that day, nor that he was trying to recruit students to a defense against the dark arts group. I am merely pointing out that Dolores is quite wrong to suggest that such a group was, at the time, illegal. If you remember, the ministry decree um, banning all student societies was not put into effect until two days after Harry's Hogsmeade meeting, so he was not breaking any rules in the Hogshead at all. Mm -hmm. Boom. Lawyered. Percy looked as though he had been struck in the face by something very heavy. Fudge remained motionless in mid-bounce, his mouth hanging open. Umbridge recovered first. That's all very fine, Headmaster. But uh, we are now six months from the introduction of Educational Decree Number Twenty Four. If the first meeting was not illegal, all those that happened since that have happened since uh, most certainly are. Well, said Dumbledore, they certainly would be if they had continued after the decree came into effect. Do you have any evidence that these meetings continued? Um, as Dumbledore spoke, Harry heard a rustle behind him, and rather thought Kingsley whispered something. He could have sworn to that he felt something brush against his side, a gentle something like a draft or bird wings. Um, but looking down, he saw nothing there. So, aha. Ooh. Evidence, repeated Umbridge. Have you not been listening, Dumbledore? Why do you think Miss Edgecombe is here? Oh, can she tell us about six months worth of meetings? Said Dumbledore, raising his eyebrows. I was under the impression that she was merely reporting a meeting tonight. Miss Edgecombe said to Umbridge at once, tell us how long these meetings have been going on, dear. You can simply nod or shake your head. I'm sure that won't make the spots worse. Have they been happening regularly over the last six months? So Harry, you know, gets really nervous. But Marietta uh, shakes her head. Umbridge looked quickly from Fudge and then back to Marietta. I don't think you understood the question, did you, dear? I'm asking whether you've been going to these meetings for the past six months. You have, haven't you? Again, Marietta shook her head. What do you mean by shaking your head, dear, said Umbridge. I would have thought her meaning was quite clear, said, um, said McGonagall harshly. There have been no secret meetings for the past six months. Is that correct, Miss Edgecombe? Marietta nodded. But there was a meeting tonight, said Umbridge furiously. There was a meeting, Miss Edgecombe. You told me about it in the room of requirement, and Potter was the leader, was he not? Potter organized it. Potter, why are you shaking your head, girl? Well, usually when a person shakes their head, said McGonagall coldly, they mean no. So unless Miss Edgecombe is using a form of sign language as yet unknown to humans... Just, man, Ooh, I, I love it. Um, Umbridge seized Marietta, pulled, around to fa- pulled her around to face her, and began shaking her very hard. A split second later, Dumbledore was on his feet, his wand raised. Kingsley, Kingsley started forward, and Umbridge leapt back from Marietta, waving her hands in the air as though they had been burned. 
I cannot allow you to manhandle my students, Dolores, said Dumbledore. And for the first time, he looked angry. Um, you want to calm yourself, Madam Umbridge, said Kingsley. You don't want to get yourself into trouble now. No, said Umbridge. I mean, yes, you're right, Shacklebolt. I, I forgot myself. So Umbridge is like, she's coming undone. She's just, she's so close to getting all that yeah. she ever yeah. wanted. And and she's just getting... I just think, like, this is so complicated because, like, Umbridge is unraveling, as you said. And, like, Dumbledore, you know, has this intense protection of his students. But he mm-hmm. has a girl in front of him that, like, is freaking out because she has snake on her face written in pustules. Um, and as we will see upcoming that, um, I mean, we've all read the books. So I don't mean to skip ahead, but that, you know, she has a memory charm on her. And, like, this is, like, they cast mm-hmm. a memory charm on her, but this this is, like, what Dumbledore, like, chooses to, like, finally, like, get up and get upset about. Like, I don't know, there's something about it. Right. Well, I mean, no. Well, they cast a memory charm on her because Dumbledore right. wanted her to, or wanted Kingsley to. And so I think it, it, like, I was thinking about that when I was reading this chapter earlier as well, as, like, Dumbledore is upset at this point but then he also like I mean he doesn't obliviate her but essentially he obliviates her in order to further his own agenda but then also doesn't want her physically harmed it's like a it's really weird and like he's okay with like mental manhandling but not physical manhandling and it goes yeah it's it's weird because then it's also like his his compartmentalization mm -hmm. because because, but then it's also like (sighs) It, it was probably necessary. Typing, it's just, it's, it's gross. It's, it's, yeah, Mani is typing. Um, it's, 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 it's a, it's weird, right? Because like at the same time, it, it I, mean, I don't know. It's all, it's Harry's fault to be honest. I mean, not just Harry's fault, but it's, it's a lot of people. A lot of people have fault in this situation. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Marietta snitched, but also like Harry mm-hmm. kind of got them into the situation. And then Hermione did too, because it was technically her fault initially. But Harry is the leader of the of the thing at this point, and so I think Harry did kind of paint Dumbledore into a corner as well. Yeah, uh, I can see that. because at this point, because he didn't know that dump, the, that the DA was happening, right? And like, so he's just at this point trying to scramble to make sure Harry doesn't get expelled or sent to Azkaban or some shit because he knows that Fudge and Umbridge are on like a hundred right now for no reason. So it's just like, it's, it's problematic, but then it's also, I don't know. He's like thinking on his feet at the same time. And it's not to say that his, his, what he's doing is the best idea, but also like. It's a quick. Yeah. And I don't know whether there's another option Amani in the yeah. chat says that it's because Dumbledore ain't shit he's an abusive manipulative I, yeah I read that right a poor excuse <laughs> of a headmaster he's the only one who can harm his students and grant their trauma because he is the sole purveyor of what is good and just preach indeed I agree so Amani is doing what Amani mm-hmm. does best I think that the other thing about this portion of like giving her the memory charm is that it it also is because Dumbledore doesn't know what if if all they were doing and the DA was practicing spells and charms he doesn't know like what Harry's been saying and it's weird that he can't 
fully trust that Harry's not spilling order secrets or like trying True. to make his own <laughs> order of the phoenix. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it says a little bit about Harry's recklessness as well. Yeah, for sure. So uh, a sudden suspicion connected to uh, connected to Harry's whisper and the thing he felt shoot past him sprang into Harry's mind. So he finally is like, hmm, something's up. Uh, Dolores said, Fudge, the meeting tonight, the one we know definitely happened. Yes, said Umbridge. Yes. Well, Miss Edgecombe tipped me off and I proceeded at once to the seventh floor, accompanied by certain trustworthy students. So as to catch those in the meeting red handed, it Ooh. appears that they were forewarned of my arrival. However, because when we reached the seventh floor, they were running in all directions. It does not matter. Um, I have their names here. Miss Parkinson ran into the room of requirement uh, for me to see if they had left anything behind. We needed evidence in the room provided, which damn, the room requirement is, ain't loyal. She thought, I need evidence Not to get Harry all. Potter. They were like, here is, is, <laughs> is the list of all their you names. Know. That's so out of pocket. I know the room doesn't, like, is impartial and it just does I what know. you ask it to. Because that's but what damn. Umbridge was looking for. She was looking for this. So the room requirement wouldn't have changed. Exactly. Oh, that sucks. And, like, if they all left, then there would have been nobody in it to control right, it. There's no right. There's no one to say, like, no, yeah, don't, don't give do it to it. her. Don't do it. Out of pocket. Out yeah. of pocket. So, yeah. So, Harry, uh, so she withdraws the um, the list of names. The moment I saw Potter's name on this list, I knew what we were dealing with. Excellent. Excellent. Said Fudge. And by thunder, he looked Jeez. up at Dumbledore, who was still standing beside Marietta, his wand held loosely at his hand. See what they've named themselves? Dumbledore's army. Dumbledore reached out and took the parchment from Fudge. He gazed at the heading scribbled by Hermione months before and for a moment seemed unable to speak. Then he looked up smiling. So this is, so I think this is like, again, like it, it's perfect for him, but also not like you, you're implicated. Like now he's like, all right, I see how I'm not going to get Harry expelled. But like now I got to leave Hogwarts, which is never a good idea. Like, say what you want about Dumbledore being trash, but when he yeah. leaves Hogwarts, it like, shit, yeah, it's never good. Shit so, like, <laughs> so, like, yeah, so they got into a situation where now Dumbledore has to leave, but at least Harry doesn't. It's, yeah, it's a strange situation. But he says... Which is also very interesting, because I wonder, I mean, there are, like, the protections and stuff that the castle has naturally, but I just wonder, like, is the protection for Harry in where Dumbledore is, or is it in being at Hogwarts? You know what I mean? Well, like, I how, where is that fine line? Like, you Harry know what I mean? Like, where is he going to go? And if he goes back to the Dursleys, like, then he would be protected. But look, would the Dursleys let him in? You know, I mean, they they would, but um, like, yeah. But also, he wouldn't be learning the things yeah, that he, he needs to be learn. Under the watchful eyes you know what I mean? McGonagall and his friends. Um, and like in that structure that kind of keeps him protected and, um, yeah, yeah, I can see why Dumbledore would like fall on this sword for Harry, of course. Um, but is it the smartest sword to fall on? And I also think the way he did this is like, I don't know, like not, I mean, Harry really did kind of put Dumbledore in a pickle, like naming it Dumbledore's army, but, um, yeah. Well, Ginny. Oh, well, Ginny, Ginny did that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was meant to be petty and now it backfired. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it definitely backfired. So Dumbledore says, well, the game is up. 
Would you like a written confession from me, Cornelius, or will a, will a statement before these witnesses suffice? Um, Harry saw McGonagall and Kingsley look at each other. There was fear on both of their faces. He didn't understand what was going on, and neither apparently did Fudge, because he doesn't actually believe that Dumbledore is building up an army against him. He's just mm-hmm. using that. Like he doesn't. Like the fact that that's not the first thing that pops right. to his He's head take is like, yeah. right? Statement said Fudge. What I don't. Dumbledore's army, Cornelius. Not Potter's army. Dumbledore's army. But, but, you, he whispered. That's right, said Dumbledore pleasantly. You organized this? I did. You recruited these students for, for your army? Like, he doesn't, he never thought that that was actually the thing. Like, because he's like, wait, this is real? This is actually happening? Tonight was supposed to be the first meeting, said Dumbledore, merely to see whether they would be interested in joining me. I now see it was a mistake to invite Miss Edgecombe, of course. Marietta nodded. Then you have been plotting against me. That's right, said Dumbledore cheerfully, (laughs) which is hilarious. No, shouted Harry. Kingsley flashed a look of warning at him. McGonagall widened her eyes threateningly, um, but it had suddenly dawned upon Harry what Dumbledore was about to do, and he could not let it happen. It's like, Harry, you didn't realize when... Fudge realized? Okay. It's fine. Fudge is an adult. Maybe that's just... You're right. Harry's not a raven. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make him <laughs> Correct. Um, be quiet, Harry, or I'm afraid I will, I, you will have to leave my office, said Dumbledore. Yeah, shut up, Potter, barked Fudge. I came here tonight expecting to expel Potter, and instead... <laughs> instead you get to arrest me, said Dumbledore, smiling. It's like losing a nut and finding a galleon, isn't it? Weasley cried Fudge. Weasley, have you written it all down? Everything he said? His confession? Have you got it? Yes, sir. I think so, sir, said Percy eagerly. The bit about how he's been trying to build up an army against the ministry? How he's been working to destabilize me? Yes, sir. I've got it. Yes. Very well, then. Duplicate your notes, Weasley, and send a copy to the Daily Prophet at once. If we send a fast owl, it should make the morning edition. So I just, you know, want to point out. So this is the thing, right? It's all about good press, but... Also, there are 10 Death Eaters that escaped from Azkaban and haven't been found, but he's worried about Dumbledore at the school with his, quote, army. Also, but, like, eagerly was like, I came here tonight thinking I was going to expel Potter. Like, you're the minister. Go find the fucking criminals who have, like, done dangerous-ass things as opposed to worried about Harry. And you've dropped everything to expel Mm -hmm. Harry Potter? Okay. I hope you added that in your notes, Percy, and set that on, too. I'm sure everyone else would be like, okay, but what about, no? Okay, cool. Whatever. You got it. Go off. Um, Ah, said Dumbledore gently. Oh, no, sorry. He said, you will now be escorted uh, to the ministry where you will be formally charged and then sent to Azkaban to await trial. So they don't have holding cells. The thing to Azkaban to a trial. How do you get to Azkaban just... before you've been tried? How is that the to only option? Trial. And how are you supposed to be your best defendant if you've been sitting uh, in Azkaban? Uh, this is how are you supposed to put on your best like, defense? Like, how does that, that doesn't make any sense. There's just like, oh, you may or may not have done this thing. We're going to stick you with the Dementors until it's time for to figure out or to actually give you your punishment. Yeah, it really... The Dementors? It doesn't... It really absolutely doesn't make any sense. But I mean, but I think that that's... This is where the the ministry, like, it it sucks so bad. It's like, as a government, I don't think it was ever really flushed out. Um, And it's just been like all of these 
generations have been grandfathered into the way that it has been. I mean, like, they're still using parchment and ink. Like, right. like there's just things that, the, like, they <laughs> haven't the advanced. And, like, their government is, like, clearly one of these things in the wizarding world that is stunted because they have access to magic. Like, they don't have to figure out infrastructure because they have access to magic. Um, mm. and, but then it's so weird because, like, but certain things are so regulated. But I think it's one of those other things, too, where we, we don't, we don't ever see um, how the government is managed or how we do transitions of power as well. And I'm not 100% clear on like the um, parliamentary system, but I do know that they call special elections all the goddamn time. So like, what is the electoral process? Because I remember in one point... Um, Someone had said, I think it was Hagrid, so grain of salt, but like had said that they kept asking for Dumbledore to apply for the job of minister. And I was like, apply? Like, don't you get voted into that? You know what I mean? So like, it is very interesting as well because we don't get a sense of how the public holds or how fudge is held accountable to the public or to the, um, to the wizarding world until they he's removed from office for like just being a complete and utter failure but there should be you know i'm just thinking about like our political system with like midterm elections and poll numbers and like what you're able to accomplish and pass it really does is affected by like how the public um supports you or if they support you or not Mm -hmm. um and we don't really see that here and i think that's another problem of this government not just that he's able to take on these petty grievances or use the daily profit to like push his agenda because in some some ways all governments do that but that he's able to do that without suffering low back in a way that like severely affects what he can do right you know like this quibbler article has made him less popular has made people like second guess them but it doesn't change the fact that he drops everything to come to hogwarts Mm -hmm. to expel harry potter and azkaban is the only place to punish people the only way to punish people it's and holding it's trash eric Um, eric can you eric can't even secure the atrium i don't think we need to put him also on like (laughs) no Ah, said Dumbledore gently. Yes. Yes, I thought we might hit that little snag. Snag, said Fudge. I see no snag, Dumbledore. Well, said Dumbledore apologetically. I'm afraid I do. Oh, really? Well, it's just that you seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What is the phrase? Come quietly? I'm afraid I'm not going to be... I'm not going to come quietly at all, Cornelius. I have absolutely no intention of being said to Azkaban. I could break out, of course, but what a waste of time. And frankly, I can think of a whole host of things I would rather be doing. I, I know I've called Dumbledore, like, problematic so fave. I know problematic I've fave. Like, a bunch this, this episode, but... Oh, my God. This is why whenever I um, need to, like, take a shot, I always toast to Dumbledore and his questionable morals, because... <laughs> it's like just when you're like wow he's really trash then you're like oh like, they pulled oh me back God. in he's, yeah, he's so great babe, for sure absolutely <laughs> absolutely umbridge's face was growing steadily redder she looked as though she was being filled with boiling water 
Um, Fudge stared at Dumbledore with a very silly expression on his face as though he had just been stunned by a sudden blow and could not quite believe it had happened. So he kind of motions to Kingsley and, or he looks to Kingsley and the man with the short gray hair. Um, the latter gave Fudge a reassuring nod and moved forward a little away from the wall. Um, Harry saw his hand drift almost casually toward his pocket. Don't be silly, Dollish, said Dumbledore kindly. I'm sure you were an excellent R. I seem to remember you achieved outstanding in all your newts, but if you attempt to uh, bring me in by force, I will have to hurt you. <laughs> Again, it's just... Oh ugh. my goodness. He knows, he knows when you're like, dude, you need to not be so terrible. And then he's like, okay, cool, I got you. So, said Fudge, you intend to take on Dollish, Shacklebolt, Dolores, and myself single-handed, do you, Dumbledore? Merlin's beard, no, said Dumbledore, smiling. Not unless you were foolish enough to force me to. Um, yeah. I love the con- the confidence in his ability. But he's also like, not wrong. Not only the confidence in it, but, like, he's literally this like, oh, you silly children. Like, yeah. that I really, really wish we got to see in the, in the film. Like, like yeah. Michael Gambon mm-hmm. played Dumbledore with such, like, yeah. anger. And, like, a low-key... Like, yeah. sometimes we see it come out, obviously, with the, like, did you put your name in the Capitol Fire? But, but like, I don't know, just in every scene, there was just such a low-key anger to Dumbledore. And I could see why he would interpret the character for that. But, like, this is the kind of stuff I really wish we got to see play out on screen. Yeah. Just... I think yeah. Richard Harris would have done... A bit of better job of the levity, but, yeah. but I mean, what can you do? Yeah, it <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But I also feel like there is this, um, like the, so when we went to the studio tour, there there's like this portion where they're talking about the um, the costumes and how the costume designer wanted to kind of have, like obviously, um, Gammon's playing the same character, but they're different right so she talks about how she changes his look to be a little bit more like hippie Dumbledore and like um I do wish that he like I got the sense of like playfulness in him but not not in the right yeah way like it wasn't it wasn't this like oh aren't look at how adorable you are Mm -hmm. you know what I mean this like petty belittling like he needed to study RuPaul is I think what needed to happen (laughs) like he needed to just take some like a glance at RuPaul's work and then channel a little bit of that yeah um yeah he will not be single-handed said Professor McGonagall oh yes he will Minerva said Dumbledore sharply Hogwarts needs you um which is very true and I get it she's a Gryffindor she got caught up in the moment but she has to chill. Yeah. And I wonder, like, because Griff- Dumbledore is a Gryffindor as well, right? I wonder what the breakdown is of Hogwarts headmasters and their yeah, houses. That's probably. Oh, a yeah, really I would love to know that. It's just a okay. random thought that yeah. I'm now very I mean, we know Phineas in. is a Slytherin. I feel like those him and Dumbledore are the only two that we know the houses of. Maybe that's my, my yeah. new Enough question. Of, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, maybe that's my new question. I'll just. Um, Tweet at J.K. Rowling until she never answers. <laughs> Maybe yeah. she'll see it and she'll be like, Yeah, yeah sure, wow. I'll answer this one. That's something, that's, a, something I would, I would be appreciative if she gave us. Yeah. I'm very hesitant about some of the other things she wants to give us <laughs> that I don't want to receive, but I would receive that. 
I would receive that. Um, so enough of this rubbish, said Fudge. Dollish, Shacklebolt, take him. A streak of silver light flashed around the room. There was a bang like a gunshot, and the floor trembled. A hand grabbed the scruff of Harry's neck and forced him down on the floor as a second silver flash went off. Several of the portraits yelled. Fox screeched, and a cloud of dust filled the air. Um, Harry saw a dark figure fall to the ground with a crash in front of him. There was a shriek and a thud, and somebody cried, No! Then there was a sound of breaking glass, frantically scuffling footsteps, a groan, and silence. Um... McGonagall was crouched down beside him. She had forced both him and Marietta out of harm's way. Are you all right, said Dumbledore. Yes, said um, McGonagall, getting up and dragging Harry and Marietta with her. The dust was was clearing. The wreckage of the office loomed into view. Dumbledore's desk had been overturned. All the spindly tables had been knocked to the floor, their silver instruments in pieces. Fudge, Umbridge, Kingsley, and Dawlish lay motionless on the floor. Fox, the phoenix, soared in wide circles above them, singing softly. Unfortunately, I had to hex Kingsley, too, or it would have looked very suspicious. He was remarkably quite quick on the uptake, modifying Miss Edgecombe's memory like that while everyone was looking the other way. Thank him for me, won't you, Minerva? Ew. Now, they will all awake very soon, but it will be best if they don't know um, that we had time to communicate. You must ask as though, act as though no time has passed, as though they were merely knocked, as, knocked to the ground. They will not remember. Uh, where will you go, Dumbledore? Grimald Place? Oh no, I'm not leaving to go into hiding. Fudge will soon wish he'd never dislodged me from Hogwarts, I promise you. Um, so Harry starts to apologize to Dumbledore, but um, and, but Dumbledore interrupts him and says, Listen to me, Harry. You must study Aquamancy as hard as you can. Do everything Professor Snape tells you and practice it particularly every night before sleeping so that you can close your mind to bad dreams. You will understand why soon enough, but you must promise me. Um, just... Or, or just tell him. Tell him now. Or I've told him two months ago. Three, four months ago. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you know, now is probably not the best time. Have Hermione Granger right. help you Something. study. Go talk to Hermione. She'll help you out. Um, remember to close your mind. As Dumbledore's fingers closed over Harry's skin, a pain shot through his scar, and he felt again that terrible snake-like longing to strike Dumbledore. Um, Dumbledore, oh, he said, you will understand, he said. Um, Fox circled the office and swooped low over him. Dumbledore released Harry, raised his hand, and grasped the phoenix's long golden tail. There was a flash of fire, and the pair of them had gone. Uh, where is he, yelled Fudge. Where is he? I don't know, shouted Kingsley. Well, he can't have disapparated, cried Umbridge. The stairs, cried Dawlish, and they all run after him, um, except for Fudge. And Fudge says, well, Minerva, I'm afraid this is the end of your friend Dumbledore. You think so, do you, said McGonagall scornfully. Um, Fudge seemed not to hear her. A few of the portraits hissed at him. One or two even made rude hand gestures. You better get those two off to bed, said Fudge. She said nothing but marched Harry and Marietta to the door. Um, as the door swung closed behind them, he heard Phineas, Harry heard Phineas Nigelis' voice. You know, Minister, I disagree with Dumbledore on many counts, but you cannot deny he's got style. Mike. Uh, a line that they gave to I know. Kingsley. Um, but I'll be right back. Great. So. Um, oh no! <laughs> I just love the way I love the way this chapter. What were you gonna ends. say? I think it's one of my favorites of all time. Like this one has such a feeling, like a like a cliffhanger moment, like where you just have to turn the page and find out what happens next. And then the other chapters in Prisoner of Azkaban, when um, the fat lady is just like um, something about like serious black, like that serious black. He's very scary, or whatever the line mm-hmm. is. And, like these two chapters have always stuck out um, for me. Yeah. The, the way that they end 
I just love it so much. Because she's, she's a mystery writer. Um, I think, I think too the thing with like Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book, which is why you'll see me and um, Bayana like bickering over um, Order of the Phoenix. But I mean, Order of the Phoenix is my favorite book while I'm reading it. But then, <laughs> um, but it's one of those things where I I always felt like the the flow reveal of stuff in the at the end of the chapter is like you have to catch your breath like mm-hmm. okay we just got a lot of information like the chapter is like it's pretty slow it's pretty slow and then it's like boom information and so you're like oh god and like you it's have to like unpack all of that and then like get on to the next one and it's just yeah that's why every time I got a new book like, I would read it, read it stay up all night to finish read it all at once um, okay, so who is your MVP for the chapter? Um, mine is Dumbledore because you may not like him, but you've got to admit he's got style. I Man, I was like maybe like halfway through or like at the point where Dumbledore had uh, was like stood up to be like mad at Fudge or sorry, mad at Umbridge for manhandling Marietta. I was like... Mm, sir but then he just he just dumbledored so <laughs> he's my mvp now uh, i mean i just oof. yeah i've changed my mvp <laughs> like eight times but um it's been like mcgonagall harry dobby mcgonagall and then as you're talking i was like dumbledore but then i'm like no McGonagall is my MVP. Um, because she has that Gryffindor quality. She has a great, a couple of great, really good McGonagall-isms. Um, but, like, and maybe I didn't read this correctly, but she was the one that, I, as I read it, to push Harry down and mm-hmm. to shield her, Harry and Marietta. She's constantly doing the job of teacher and caretaker first like and is always thinking through that lens of protecting them Mm -hmm. first um and then whatever she can do to help in the battle and stuff like that she will do but not at the expense of like the safety and the well-being of the students and i wish that she had more power (laughs) because I, i i still like firmly believe that had mcgonagall been headmistress Harry Potter would not have stayed with the Dursleys yeah I can see that yeah Uh, I have to say that my I love the idea of Dobby as MVP and you almost tripped me up on that one Um, (laughs) even though I will die for Marietta and on that hill uh, that's the Harry Potter hill I would die on Um, I have to say Kingsley in this (laughs) like I know he uses a memory charm against Marietta, and it's really gross, and I really hate it. Um, it's such a move to help with the greater good of it all, um, which is, feels really gross and hypocritical on my own part, but I thought that that was just like, I wish it wasn't that, but the action that Kingsley took, I think, kind of saved um, Harry and like put a bunch of stuff in motion. But maybe I'll just go with Dobby, so I don't have to feel gross about myself. <laughs> 
Okay. No, I mean, I think that, like, it's true in, in, like, the way that, like, even making Dumbledore MVP, it's like, you have to grapple with. The thing I love, too, about these books and these characters are they're, they're pros and cons, right? There's, there's, they're not all good. Mm-hmm. They're not all bad. And even in the chapters, when someone, like, does stand out, there's still, like, parts mm-hmm. that you can pick on, you know? And the thing I like about, like, having Kingsley as MVP is also that he's doing all of that under the guise of yes. being on He's Fudge's side and doing it stealthily Harry's and does that enough seamlessly. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. I also right. think, too, Harry needs, he, to, learn Harry needs to learn a little um, bit. I also think, too, like, when people ask me who my favorite Harry Potter character is, um, when I was younger, I don't really say this anymore because I'm less of an asshole, but when I was younger, people would ask me who my favorite Harry Potter character was, and I would say Umbridge, and people would be like, what the heck? And I would just be like, but, like, as a character that's written, like, I think she's one of the best written characters in the book. Um, and I then oh, this, you know, for sure, she's so fun oh, to for read. Sure. She's so fun to hate. Um, yeah. And she's so realistic in her, like, the thing with Umbridge, too, it's like, there's some meme or whatever that went around and was, like, a picture of Umbridge and Snape, I think, or something, and Voldemort, and it was like, you know who the person is that you hate the most, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. not Voldemort or whatever, and it's because there are umbrages in your real life, like, you know what I mean, like, everything that she does is just so, like, grating, like, it's the worst, and it's like the worst of humanity, whereas, like, Voldemort, while, right, like, Joe tries to make this point that, like, he's still human, and he's still, like, a person as much as he's trying to not be like his powers and his like whole thing his whole shtick is still like very inhuman um whereas like umbridge is like just the worst yeah of i always humanity i totally agree with that like umbridge is very much um like just like the worst villain like there is something very inhuman mm-hmm. about Voldemort, and especially in the way that he's presented in the way that um you know i think it stems from the fact that he was born out of a love potion like umbridge is just bad like, she just has the yeah. wrong, like, morals, and she grew up in the wrong, I don't know, part of the country or something. I don't know. Like, she is just, she just she's just bad to the bone, and it's, um, it's interesting. Did we ever get on Pottermore, like, her life? Her life story. Yeah. Um, see, I stopped reading. Part doesn't make her. Doesn't we make did. her better. Um, and she. It doesn't. Like she is a half blood, whose father was like a low. I think he was a. I think he was like the, the janitor, one of the um, the magical maintenance, the janitor yeah. or something like that, right? And as she um, goes to Hogwarts and stuff, she takes on this whole out of pure blood thing, and then like disowns her father. Well, no, before and, like, that, would be like. Are you before related? that? So her mom is a muggle. Her no. brother's a squib. And at some point, like she hated her mother so much yeah. that she was a like, she hated that side of her family and like resented her dad. But like at least he was magical. And then at some point, their family split up, and her mom and her brother went to live in the muggle world, and she stayed with her dad. And, and then she, she just then she like acted as if her dad wasn't her dad when she got to the ministry. So people would be like, oh, are you related to that um, Umbridge that used to, you know, be the janitor here? And she's like, no. And then if anyone had, like, even suggested that, then all of a sudden, as she gained power, 
they would like lose a job or get you know demoted or you know what I mean just to shore up her whole fake thought about herself she's the worst okay we should we should and yet still yeah I was gonna say we should get back to the sorry Happy endings. Um, so Laurel made uh, Fox her MVP, um, and then Fox is a good one. Um, Matthew made Kingsley MVP um, for the best line in the show. So it's more for a uh, uh, movie and not book. Um, and then I'm gonna save Amani's for the end because it like. It flows in a way that I of think course. we should just wait. Um, so who did you bench? I benched Hermione. Um, I just can't get over the um, use of magic without sense of mm-hmm. morals and the plight of Marietta Edgecombe and how long it takes her to... Not only does she have sneak on her face, but then she gets oh yeah, we didn't really memory talk about that. Well, the memory and, like, wasn't Hermione's fault. Not yeah. that that is, not that the memory is Hermione's fault, but like it just puts her in this position to have all this stuff happen to her. That um, yeah, just doesn't sit well with me. And I think also because the threat would have been just as potent. Like had she had told them the the extent of. We will all, well, I mean, we I think that would also me. be smarter, like, too, right? Because it's a way to prevent people from doing it as opposed to just punishing someone for doing it. If they know that they're going to be cursed, right. if they say something, then then they won't do it. Versus they if they it, don't like, know, and then it's like, oh, I did it, it anyway. Be, we can't would, do the meetings anymore, but but she got sneak on her face. So it's not really I like... Know, and, now, and she can't even remember why she got it. It's so tragic. It's so tragic. Yeah. Um, I would bench. Um, I, would bench somebody, I, yeah. I would bench yeah. Percy because he's a brat. Ugh, yeah. he's yeah. reading Fuck it Percy. like he gets all the ink on his nose. Ugh, Percy needs Ugh. to be punched in the nose. He's, he's the worst. Um, I benched Fudge. Um, and as I benched him, I realized that like if he was in more uh chapters with Umbridge, I would bench him more than I benched Umbridge. Mainly because he's like the head person in charge, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like she's he's the one that she's following. Also, like you have ten Death Eaters who escaped from Azkaban, who were like there for like a legitimate reason and did some like fucked up shit. But you're concerned about expelling Harry Potter from Hogwarts? Like that's the thing that got you out your office. That got you <laughs> got out of bed this morning. You were like, okay, let's go expel some children. And not like, let's go make sure that the wizarding community is safe. So, no. Yeah. And part of that is like, and I do understand, the more I think about this, I have, there's a blog post in here or something. That Quibbler interview was done for a good reason, but the blowback of it has like, there's a huge blowback. And I don't think that they properly prepared for it. Because a, a lot of the like, I got up out of my bed to spell children. It's because Harry Potter out here on the quib blowing True. up my spot, <laughs> like you make making my lives untenable. And yeah, that I have to think more on that. But yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Laurel um, benched Umbridge. So um, Matthew benched Fudge, and then um, Amani made both his MVP and benched Dumbledore because he does disagree with him, but he does have style. Uh, I also want to say I won't be mad if anybody wants to bench Marietta because she. She was yeah, kind of the worst. Yeah, I mean, Marietta did some wrong. She's just the obvious she did do bencher. That. But I feel like the thing with benching to me, too, is that, like, it, the chapter usually ends and that person that's benched doesn't, hasn't gotten their comeuppance yet, at least. Like, they, they just did wrong and, like, we're just stuck with it. Whereas Marietta yeah, did wrong and immediately true. got Right, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, if she hadn't have gotten punished for it and she had walked like in there her with, like, like, a clear face and would have been like, yeah, I know everything, I'd have been like, girl, I need you to leave. I need you to sit down. <laughs> and, like... Right. But it just feels like piling on right. at this point to bench her. Like, she's been through <laughs> enough. <laughs> true. Very true. My girl. Um, okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, thank you Olivia, me. for joining us. This was a great conversation. Uh, you can come I'll back anytime. I'll tell you anytime. one of my other favorite characters um, I die on Hills for. Yeah. Please do. We got you. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I want to say thank you to the wizard yes. team um, for always just being so fun and clever. And um, I really admire what you guys have done and built. And um, your community is so awesome. So thank you for, for inviting me into it. Aw. Thank you. And same, we love Wizards in Space and we love what you do. And we love how supportive you've been of us. So... Um, yeah. Thanks. And I also, you guys are the best. I also want to give a quick shout out. Um, my other, like my muggle job is, um, at Alex and Ani, which is a jewel. Um, so everybody. I got. Which Bayan and I both got pieces from uh, for Kwanzaa. And I, I was do. like, Olivia works yeah. here. So the jewelry is like really <laughs> awesome and it's um, pretty affordable. <laughs> um, or you can have people buy it for you. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to shout that out to Wizard Team because um, you should support Alex Stein because we're a rad company. And um, I mean, anything with Harry Potter is awesome. So just wanted to let yeah. everybody Yeah, I wear my ring every day. It's so cute. So next <laughs> week we will discuss chapter 28 um, of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Snape's worst night, uh, worst memory, which is... I love that chapter. Oof, that oh is going to be a... That's going to be a lot. I won't be here. <laughs> it's going to be like half feelings, half I'll like fuck some, Snape. I'll it's going to be interesting. Else. We will see. Also, like, again, another moment where Harry decides that like, oh, look, there's a bowl of glittering things. Let me just stick my face in it. So lots of things to talk about. Um, make sure to follow along and let us know who you think is the real MVP and who is benched for the chapter. Um, join the conversation on Twitter at WeBlackAndNerds, hashtag WizardTeam. Yeah, check out our website, blackgirlscreate.org. And I think we're done. Yeah. We'll see you next week.